Hello, I'm Jeff Lester, and welcome to Wait, What? A comics and pop culture piece Graham McMillan and I have delivered unto the episode 148, two and a half hours of comics and pop culture chatter. Topics discussed today include Amazing Spider-Man, Tom DeFalco, the joys and perils of the Marvel Unlimited app, Detective Comics by Francis Manipal and Brian Buccoletto, Snowpiercer, District 14, Uku, The Inner Chambers, Pretty Deadly, Letter 44, Starlight, Star Wars Comics, and of course, your pals, much, much more. Show notes are now available at SavageCritic.com, and we always welcome your comments and questions at WaitWhatPodcast at gmail.com. As always, we hope you enjoy, and thank you for listening. Jeff Lester. Graham McMillan. The best part was, like, when I picked up, I automatically heard someone put something down or something behind you, and it sounded like something fell over. So it was like, pick up the phone, click, click. I was like, oh, God, Jeff's fallen over. I've fallen over. Oh, this is fine. I love how you've you've decided that all of our tech problems are just euphemism for Jeff problems. (laughs) Wow, I wasn't even going with tech problems being euphemisms for Jeff problems. I was just saying Jeff problems. (laughs) Oh, great. You've got your own term for it, Jeff problems. You're the one who said Jeff problems. You said it was your term after I said that. So I, I didn't no. Yeah, Don't you put words in my mouth, Jeff. That's that's one way to look at it. The other way is I successfully <laughs> Sherlock Holmes you. I was gonna say, well, well done. Thank you, thank you. That's that's unfair, Jeff. <laughs> I don't understand, Graham. I, no, I no, nobody, nobody needs that sort of behavior today. That no, I'm saying no. Oh, oh, I see. You're shutting it down, are you? I am. I'm, I'm closing it down right now, sir. <sighs> wow. Ladies and gentlemen, you've just seen an example of the Graham line veto in action. <laughs> um, so what are we going to talk about? We should talk about, like, uh, I feel like, is there some sort of crazy comics news? Oh, we should talk about what I was talking about on Twitter. Um, uh, oh, yeah. Um, we can also, there, uh, in terms of crazy comics news, there's uh, Amazing Spider-Man having ridiculously high orders. Oh yeah, wasn't that fascinating? Let, let's let's go there first, I think, because that's okay. So, Amazing Spider-Man issue one uh, yes. comes out next month, mm-hmm. like May, I think. Right. I could be wrong. Maybe it's even this month. Um, in fact, it has to be this month because Final Order closed this week. Um, but currently, Marvel has told CBR and then confirmed when I got in touch for Hollywood Reporter, uh, the orders are over half a million. The initial orders for the comic are over half a million, mm-hmm. which is really, really high. Mm-hmm. Really, really high. To put that into some sense of uh, perspective, the best-selling comic of February had initial orders of like 100,000. So you're talking five times greater than that. Yes. Uh, it's the best-selling – it's the highest or- initial orders of a comic in more than 10 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the best-selling – it's the best – ordered the most highly ordered comic even beyond initial orders with the exception of the obama spider-man issue in 2009 uh and it's really oddly high and then i read the story on bleeding cool which tried to decode it and it suddenly made a bit more sense yes did you see the bleeding cool story i want to say that i did but i the bleeding cool story said two things one variants which have order numbers but two that Marvel is apparently doing what they did with Defenders way back when they launched, launched Defenders, mm-hmm. which is they're overshipping. Yeah. Uh, 
and counting those as initial orders, like mm-hmm. they did with Defenders. Because I don't know if you remember, Defenders, if first issue had orders of like 80,000. Yeah. Uh, but its real orders were like 40, because they just doubled it. And so if you think about, if you think if that's possible, mm-hmm. then it's, I can more readily believe that uh, Amazing Spider-Man 1's initial orders are realistically closer to like the 250,000 mark. Yeah. Than I can the 500,000 mark. Exactly. Well, I forget. Okay. First off, I didn't see the breakdown. How crazy are the number of alternate covers and things like that? I want to say it's not that bad. It could be wrong. Okay. Because I was on. thinking... I'll, I'll look. I, it's, I want to say it's relatively restrained for a Marvel book, which means it's probably under five. Am I forgetting... Am, am I, did, didn't they push, like, Uncanny Avengers? Was, wasn't the first issue for that, like... 325, but like with crazy amounts of um, incentives to order high? I will look it up right now. Hey. Do, you, do you remember? I won't say that was November 2012. Does that sound correct for you? Mm, Graham, that's not it. Let's not. This is the Jeff item veto, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not talk about actual shipping dates. Yeah, no, I, I, I want to say dates. it was November 2012, and I'm going to check that right now. Um. No, it's October. Oh, crap. October. I know exactly. I was <laughs> off by a month. Everything's gone wrong. It made 303,722 uh, initial orders. Okay. See, hey, I was pretty close. So, right. So, if you ask me, if you can push, if you can push Uncanny Avengers into a 300,000 range before you resort to... But admittedly, they had crazy, crazy amounts of variant covers. But the idea that you can push a book like that into the 300,000 range makes me believe that something like an amazing, like the, the relaunch of the Amazing Spider-Man numbering, you can, you know, with only, with, with a re, with same number of variants or more, it seems to me you could push that to, you could get to like 300,000, maybe 350,000, and then the next 150,000, is just to make Marvel look good. Well, it, yeah, it's possible. Looking at the the initial solicitation, mm-hmm. uh, Amazing Spider-Man issue one had five covers. No, wait, I'm telling a lie. Uh, <laughs> one, two, th- uh, five, six, seven, eight, nine covers. Mm-hmm. Of which one is a blank cover variant. Well, of course. You know, who who doesn't want a blank cover variant these days? Um, but you know what's funny? I was looking at Comicron because I was looking up the sales for Ultimate. Avengers. Mm-hmm. I look back at September 2011 to look at the first of the DC uh, New 52 because remember at the time everyone was like, "Holy shit!" Right. Those mm-hmm. numbers. Those numbers are nothing compared with what you're used to now. Yeah. Batman issue one was the top selling book that month with 188,000. Yeah. Uh, which, I mean, is really good. Don't get me wrong. But I remember people shitting themselves with those orders when they came in in September 2011. Oh yeah. And when you look at it now, like. That's kind of amazing because Uncanny Avengers almost doubled it. Well, okay, two things. One, I seem to recall that Uncanny Avengers was at least in no small part an attempt for Marvel to take back some of the high number rolling glory that DC. Oh, had well, gotten. yeah, yeah. yeah. I Marvel, mean, I in general was Marvel. I was like, hey, everyone, mm-hmm. we're going to do a new fifty-two, but we're going to do it right. Right. So I feel like there was a real. I mean, I really think they had a target that they wanted to hit for Uncanny Avengers, for in part for that very specific reason of saying, like, when when the numbers turned around with the DC New Fifty Two, 
and editorial got and publishing got called by the higher ups. They were like, but we had this number for this book just two months later and blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, the th- is our, and the other thing is, is, as I recall, and it could be wrong, I, I, it wasn't what was amazing with the new 52 were how high some of the second tier b- books were getting. Yeah. You know what I mean? Basically, yeah. It was an overall lighting thing. I just, I just, and I might be totally misremembering. I remember the new 52 launch, everyone being like, those sales are amazing. Mm-hmm. And just looking at it now in light of Uncanny Avengers, or I mean, what what were the other big launches, I guess? They were, there would have been all new X-Men. All new X-Men. Right. Let's see. All new X-Men got what in its first issue? 181,000. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which, again, doesn't seem that impressive to this Uncanny Avengers. It's so weird looking at them now and you're yes. like, huh. Right. That, well, that, that's, because that's so strange. Our, our, our memories have really flattened out. I mean, I, I remember seeing that the, the, at least in Bleeding Cool, it felt like, particularly a site like CBR, had a different Uncanny Avengers story every day. And it felt like every day they were upping the low, level of incentives. But didn't they, they free shipped a ton of Avengers versus X-Men number one, right? Didn't they too? Wasn't that Did awesome? They? I don't, I'm not sure they actually I remember it for that them. as opposed I, I to Defenders. I could be totally wrong. I, I might be totally wrong. But um, the thing that actually creeps me out about this is is that uh, it drives me absolutely crazy that it that DC was offering books returnable and Diamond was adjusting the numbers down a certain percentage. I think it's... Yeah, I, exactly. They also adjusted the numbers down 10%. They still do that for returnable now. Yeah, for returnable uh, books, Diamond adjusts the books 10, 000, down 10,000 copies. But when Marvel gives out a hundred to two hundred thousand two hundred thousand copies away, those are those are still counted as sales. Yes, it's and, totally weird. Yeah, it's weird and and creepily like on the like a, a neophyte like me would just call it rigged. You know, uh, I I can see that. I guess I. I mean, there may be some explanation that yeah, I don't you, know about here's, where they're here's like, where the rigged thing would fa- have to happen for me before I'd really say sure it's right. Mm-hmm. Another publisher would have to do exactly what Marvel did and somehow get penalized for it. But uh, no one else is going to do Oh, you know, actually that does remind me. No one else is going to do it. You know? Sure. Although, yeah. you know what's interesting, Graham? This is this is, this is is bringing this up way too early <laughs> in our podcast, but in doing my Avengers read of like issues 76 through like 88 or 89, um, I found the circulation numbers for Avengers for, I guess it was like 1969, 1970 or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and those circulation statements said that they gave away 167,000 copies of the Avengers that year. I, I quite believe it. Which I'm just, but I'm just like, but, but how, you know, like, I mean, just sort of like, how could you even give away 167,000 copies that way? I mean, well, if you give them away across the year, so what you're really doing is you're giving away like 10 copies, 10,000 copies a month. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you could do that. I mean, there's numerous ways you could do that for promotional appearances, for promotional efforts. Yeah. Uh, if, you know, if Stan Lee's talking at some college or something, I'm sure they were giving stuff away there. Maybe they're giving them to distribution partners. Maybe they're just being written off as bad mailing. 
like right. the returnables. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. there's a bunch of ways that I could have been true, quote unquote. Yes, I suppose that is probably true. But it, I found it like it's it's funny baffling. if you think about it now because right. Marvel doesn't do review copies. <laughs> right, right. I was like, oh, how the. Although I found out Marvel does do review copies. Marvel just doesn't do review copies for me. Oh, really? Uh, they do. They do PDFs. They send out. I know, because hilariously, two different people sent me the PDF for original Sin Issue Zero. Oh, interesting. Great. See, you're connected, man. And Yeah, yeah, not by Marvel. <laughs> well, no. <laughs> but that's okay, because then they can't really turn it off. I don't know. You know, Marvel's, Marvel, Marvel's willing to make nice with you because you're at Hollywood Reporter, but they, I, I think they might still have, harbor a, a grudge or two, Graham. Oh, understandably. What? No, not understandably. <laughs> well, no, I, I, not not reasonably, but understandably. Do you know what I mean? Like, I completely understand the if they were harboring the grudge in the first place, the grudge wouldn't just go away because I'm somewhere that they want to make nice with. Yeah, I suppose that's true. Yeah, that makes sense. It's it's. I'm not saying you know they're completely legitimate to have to have the grudge or whatever, but right. sure, I completely get that the grudge didn't go away. Right. What was that? Isn't there like a, a an aphorism something about that? Like, um, like I God, I can't remember the first part of it. The first part of it is something like um, admiration is being liked because you're likable, or it, I think it's it's something it's something like it's love is being liked because you're likable. Uh, power is being liked e- even when you're not likable. I don't know. It's the world's clumsiest aphorism. It sounded so good when I was perusing it at 4 a.m. on a on a creepy website. That I, can't I was going to say, I well, Google isn't helping me anywhere. I know. It's, it's just saying, yeah, maybe uh, it's just, like, just shortcut. It's like, I, I don't know what Jeff's talking about. Jeff, Jeff Lester Gibbermouth. Just just Google that. It'll probably bring something up. That, that always works. The old, the old, je- old apostrophe Jeff Lester. <laughs> <laughs> um... So, huh, something just happened over there. So, uh, (laughs) I could hear. I know. Well, that was it. We were like, ah, ha, ha, Jeff fell over. It was like a door closing down the hall, this microphone. Again, I don't understand why is my headset cursed and yours isn't, Graham? It's the same goddamn headset. You're doing something with the headset, Jeff. Like, are you playing with it? Are you pulling it up and down? All I do is I leave this, the, the, the mute control... I just, like, lay it on my lap, so it's not going to dangle in anything. I don't like any... I, that doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. That's... that's <laughs> apparently, I don't have a lap. Maybe that's the problem. I don't know. It's just... That's that's something that you should you should probably see a doctor about. Jeff! I, oh, I sent an email that I, I wanted to talk to you about my dentist visit. Yes! Oh, yeah, speaking of. Oh, okay. So, um, yesterday I went to the dentist. Mm-hmm. And if you are aware of my history with dentistry, which you're not, that's right. Uh, you would understand that there are uh, legitimate open brackets, not legitimate at all, close brackets, reasons why it's been two years since I've been to the dentist. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those quasi-legitimate reasons are essentially, I've had really bad experience with dentists. Mm-hmm. Uh, in part based on terrible dentists when I was a kid in Scotland. Mm-hmm. Uh, at one point, I had a tooth pulled out when the anesthetic hadn't taken hold. Oh, God. Uh, and he couldn't get it out, and so he's like, just turn your head that way while I pull this way. And like, he had his knee in my chest. Right. So, you know, terrible things like that. 
um, <laughs> I've also terrifying. had. Yeah, I know. I've, I've had really bad dance experience. Um, so yesterday I go to the dance. It's been two years, but it's one of those things where you're just like, you know, I have. To, I really should go to the dance. It's two years. Yeah. I don't think anything's going wrong with my teeth, but it's two years. I really should check. And I go in, and they're giving me shit about it being two years because that's what dentists do. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they do this sort of wonderful passive aggressive, like, it's really good to see you again. It's been a while. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's it's really how long has it been? Let me look. Oh. Oh, it's really been a while, hasn't it? And you're sort of like, yes, I'm sorry. Yes. Oh, God. And they're like, well, we, sh- we should really look at it. And you look, and the woman goes, this, this looks, this looks good. And she just does not sound convinced. <laughs> She's like, huh. Okay. Yeah. This, this, this looks fine. Uh, we, we should do x-rays because it's been two years and, and you know, there's, there's, there's all, there's probably something I'm not seeing. And so she does the x-rays and she's like, this, this is, there, there's nothing going on. Let me just call someone in. Wow. And she calls, so well, it was the hygienist who's doing this. Mm-hmm. And then she calls in the, the dentist and the dentist comes in and the dentist is like, so, you know, it's been two years, the guilt. Uh, and, and the hygienist says that there's, there's nothing wrong. And I just want to have a look myself to check. Like they're, they're, they're giving you the, like the, this complete, right. Something must be wrong with your teeth. Yes. Thing. And as dentists do, she's in my mouth and she's doing the running commentary. Mm-hmm. You know, C72, blah, 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 you know? Right. And she's like, she gets to the end and she's like, well, there's nothing. There's, there, there's nothing. Let, let me look again. And she looks at she's like, oh, oh, wait, wait. And the glee in her yeah. voice. And she's like, wait, I've got something. Oh. And then she's like, no, no, it's not. No, it's nothing. <laughs> And so this goes on for a long time. She checks like three times, right? Mm. She keeps on checking it with the the x-rays, with notes. Upshot is, there's nothing wrong with my teeth. Mm -hmm. This has never happened to me before that I've been to the dentist and there's been nothing wrong. Wow, that's fantastic. There's been been no, like, you know, the next step is conversation. Right. And not only do I not know what to do with this information, they don't either. Right. So you have this thing where all of us, like me, the dentist, the hygienist, are all in the same room, pretty much being like, what do we do now? <laughs> They're yes. like, well, I, I guess you're done. And they just, they don't believe it. And I'm like, really? I'm done? They're like, I, I, I guess so. I, I, should, I mean, we should, we should make up an appointment, right? We should, I mean, we'll, we'll need to check up. <laughs> it was this wonderful thing where I was, I almost wanted to run out before they were like, no, wait, I've just realized there is something wrong. Right, right. No, 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 no. Wow, that's really – well, A, congratulations, Graham. I think that's... the problem is is that they're in one of those situations where they're like, well, this is where we normally tell you to come back in six months, but since no, you're no, perfectly no, 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 fine. Like, like it's, it's more often than not, it's like, you know, well, we should give you a filling or mm-hmm. – I was going to say root canal, but I've not had root canals for years. But when I first came to America, mm, holy mm-hmm. shit, root canals up the wazoo. Yeah, yeah. You had like a oh. situation where there was like oh, four yeah, or bas- something. Yeah, basically, yeah, basically they were just like, you've been, you're Scottish. We we basically have to save your teeth. We're just going to have to rebuild the fuckers. Um, and I, you know, I felt none of it because all, all my teeth uh, nerve endings are dead. <laughs> Through years of of Scottish dentistry and not giving a shit, um, yeah, they, they were they're normally like you know well you know maybe if we make an appointment for a couple of weeks and we could do this filling or blah 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 and this time they're just like okay I I guess we'll 
I guess we'll just see you. Like, it was so wonderfully awkward. <laughs> that is kind of great. I do love the idea that the social contract has sort of fallen through in that for that moment. I, I like, know. They're, they're normally like, well, you know, well, this is when we make you feel bad right. for not cleaning your teeth enough. And uh, then set up something where you have to give us lots of money. I th- and we can't do that right now. So none of us really know what to exactly. do. Exactly. Exactly. I think there's also that thing of, you know, they're like, Technically, you are Graham are entitled to now flip up my tie and go woo 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 and <laughs> yell in your face suckers and then stand and pretend to surf the dentist chair while Surfing Bird plays in the what, background. What was great was the hygienist then tried to take credit for it. <laughs> my favorite thing. Uh, I, I think she's got a legitimate claim. Did I have I talked to you before about brushing with bicarb uh, soda? Oh no. This is what the hygienist said last time I was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's like, you know, it sounds totally weird, but brush without bicarbonate soda, it kills off bacteria and it actually can regenerate gums. Hmm. And she's like, you know, you you don't have gingivitis or anything yet, but I'm just concerned because, let's face it, historically you'll get gingivitis. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, everything else has gone wrong with your mouth. This is going to happen. Huh. Um, and so I did. I started then. And I do now, and it's it's great, and it it makes my teeth it makes my mouth feel so much cleaner. I I can't even vaguely explain it. I don't uh, know why that's the case. I don't know either. Can you hold on one second? I think maybe my wife has locked herself out of our apartment. Hold on. I, you should go and check. One second. Okay, uh, Graham, are you there? Clearly, that was clearly an ED. I, I know. I'm kind of like, hey, good news, listeners. Um, today on the podcast, uh, Graham will tell you about dentistry while Jeff's wife apparently decides to leave him. <laughs> that would have been hilarious. <laughs> I mean, also not hilarious, but hilarious. <laughs> See, I, I love how tickled you are by that. Because it really is. It would be the best. It's like, oh, anyway, the Avengers, I, huh, it's getting dark and... Um, Hmm, you know, everything's packed up in the other rooms. Uh, yeah, no, I, uh, hopefully she'll be back. I don't quite know where she went, but, uh, that was not her. That was our postal dude. And I was totally like, oh, she didn't take her keys when she left. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make her hang for a minute or two. So, but no. Uh, uh, just whatever. listeners, now you know why she might have left me. <laughs> <laughs> but I was, I was going to say, um, when I was like, "That's so great," but it's not. Yeah. Uh, I this <laughs> second second thing I today I had that reaction to. There was a great news story about a court stenographer in New York who's been fired because he wasn't typing up the note. He wasn't typing a transcript of the cases he was working for like four years, Jeff. He was just, like, typing gibberish, and sometimes he was like, I hate my job, I hate my job. And no one ever checked the transcript. Really? I'm, wa- then, I'm like, wondering. eventually someone did, and they were like, what the fuck is this? And then he realized he'd been doing it for years. That is si- simultaneously hilarious. Right. And terrible. Yes. Yeah. Well, because really, at that point, you're just sort of like... You know, he's almost justified at that point. I, you know what I mean? Like, if your job is that uh, of such little utility, I mean, exactly. If you could actually get away with it for four years, for four years, I think that is a compelling case. Like, they're technically like, we got to give this one to you as a technicality. You know, <laughs> it's like technically, <laughs> you're no harm, no right, foul. But you were right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Ah. Hmm. Oh. Anyway, so Marvel five hundred thousand copies. Spider-Man. Yes. Uh, 
you know, good for Marvel, I guess. Yeah, but I don't know. To me, I'm sort of yes. Even if if they're lying, even if they're well, they're not lying. They're giving away the copies. At that point, the numbers are. But still, even so, say they're doubling up. Say they're straight up doubling up. That's still two hundred fifty thousand, which is great. Sure, absolutely. But the the weird part is then why why juke the stats to to say half a million? Oh, because half a million sounds great, Jeff. (laughs) Well, yeah. Well, no, it's it's a great thing for them to do from a PR move because the movie's coming out. Mm-hmm. But why did why should they care? Because by saying half a million, they can say it's the best selling comic or most ordered comic in more than ten years. No, oh no, that part I get. But like, they don't care about the movie, right? I no, mean... but they care about making themselves sound great on the back of the movie. More people are talking about Spider Man now than will you know at any point. Sure, I see. In the next couple of years, so, so to say, so there's like, a better chance of someone following like the mainstream yeah, press breaking yeah, the basically yeah. back uh, piggyback on it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, just saying, well, you know, this movie is going to make a shit ton of money, but look at us—we own the character and we've got the best-selling comic in the last ten years. Right. And by the way, the second best-selling comic is also a Spider Man comic. That's right. I mean that's that's great. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's it's interesting. I think it gets to a. I don't know. It's one of those things that I think is fascinating to me because it really points to, um, well, a bit of context for for you and the whatnots before I actually get to the end of that very sentence. Uh, yesterday I spent maybe three hours cataloging like three long boxes of comics you know this is back from when i took the 24 boxes of comics and you know organize them there's all the comics that i've bought since then that i managed to get entered in the little database or, or at least the last two months actually of comics and then started going through these long boxes and just scanning them in into the database so there's like this huge collection of stuff and you know, unsurprised, it's just as well that I was never really a collector because it's kind of like, wow, my I, I cataloging, I'm like, so much of this collection is worthless, you know, in just about any sense of the word, you know. Wait, so, no, 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 no. Explain that. So you mean like you can get no, you couldn't sell them? I don't think I could sell them. Yeah, I could, I could maybe, I could, it's, it's one of those classic situations of like, there are issues that collectors would look through and like happily pay me like 99 cents for, you know what I mean? And it would be getting a bargain, but like the vast majority of this stuff um, is just stuff that most people I, I don't think would want uh, I above a quarter know. a book. <clears throat> I don't know. Cause I, when I was at Emerald city this past weekend, mm-hmm. I went dumpster diving and I didn't find I didn't find anything I really wanted for the price that I would have wanted it. Right. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. I found lots of things that I would totally have bought, mm-hmm. but they were all, to be honest, outside of my price range. And I'm not even talking expensive. Right. But, like, $5 a book. Right. And I was like, ah, I want it, but I don't want it for $5 a book. And right. I, it, that genuinely surprised me. I was like, I, this is the first convention I've been at in years mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. I found this stuff, and this stuff has actually been, like, more expensive than a new comic today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, because so I, I don't know. Maybe yeah. the package mark is coming back. Maybe, maybe. I mean, that's uh, it. It it could well be because it could well be that we're so far into the 
digital market and the reprint market that there's a lot of people who are kind of like, hey, you know what, if this if this hasn't been collected yet, maybe it's just never going to get collected and I should get a copy. I don't I don't know. But the point being, it's just very much um, I'm very aware of how much of comics is kind of an imaginary economy. You know, like I, I really realize that it seems to me that someone like me who's been collecting comics for like 37 years, admittedly poorly and really reading comics, you know what I mean? Reading comics and then not just throwing them out on the street um, for for this many years has absolutely no right to make fun of anyone who's ever bought a Bitcoin. You know what I mean? <laughs> even, even though well, that's yeah, my, Jeff, my first reaction. Do you? Because – there's a there's a big difference between buying a comic and buying a Bitcoin. Because you weren't buying the comic to make the investment, were you? Were you not buying the comic to read the damn comic? Yeah, I was. But and then you were keeping them because you wanted to read the comic again. Uh, I don't know. I, yes, I guess so, man. I suppose so. But that's kind of my – this is actually one of the things that I find fascinating is you're absolutely – like 90% of me is exactly that. But ten, I think there's still the 10% of me that as I as I sort of put all this stuff together, part of me is just – and maybe it's just a sort of um, lazy man's despair in order to get out of having to catalog the rest of it and try putting it up for sale. But part of me is just like – I, you know, I'm flipping through them. I have some fond memories. I don't – I'm not sure I really need to read that much of it again. I think I've kind of hit that stage of like – you know, realizing <laughs> as to to bring back some of what we were talking about before the podcast, sort of a um, weird perception of my own mortality. There's kind of this feeling of like, I don't I don't know. I, I can't I'm not sure how much more time I want to spend rereading the old comics. You know what I mean? Oh, did, did you see Ivan Reitman talking about why he isn't directing Ghostbusters 3? Uh, no. He basically said, like, I'm an old man. There's only so many films I can direct now. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, and I, and I don't, this, this, I don't want Ghostbusters 3 to be one of them. Mm, interesting. interesting. And it, like, what you just said sort of reminded me of it. Like, this, it's not necessarily just a sense of your own mortality, but also a sense of, like, uh, the countdown clocks here. Yeah, on exactly. The time is, time is running out. And, and there is a little bit of that kind of unconscious, what am I going to be doing, you know, now that I've got the limited time, maybe I should start trying to squeeze some new stuff in and forcing out some of the, you know, like realizing that I'm never going to revisit some of the older stuff, you know? Well, what sort of stuff are we talking about? Like, are we talking stuff that you would consider yourself a fan of or stuff that you just, you liked? Do you know Because there's a difference between, uh, like, okay, so... Superman comics from the 1980s right. are, are one of the things I was looking for at Emerald City because right. I really dig them. I really like them. But mm-hmm. I like them as very disposable material. Right. So ultimately, I don't want to pay more than a dollar for them because I'm probably going to read them like two or three times and that's it. Right. Right. Uh, as opposed to I'm trying to think of something that I would pay more money for. See, that's it. Then you start getting into that realm of like, but aren't we really at the age for me? I'm kind of at that age where between my brain being slow and having enough of a life and enough other entertainment distractions in a way, um, I'm not sure I'm not sure that I would read. You know, there's comics that I love that I'm not sure that I would read more than twice. Oh, no, uh, I know. I know from. Very recent experience, Jeff. Uh, Engelhardt's Justice League. 
Mm-hmm. I re I reread that shit like five or six times, and I only got it like two months ago. Right. Oh, Do you know what I mean? Like, there's, yeah. there's stuff that I'm just like, this is is nuts. This mm-hmm. is nuts and very entertaining. And I'm just going to reread it because it's nuts and very entertaining. Right. Right. You know? Yeah. It's, it's interesting. We were uh, off of podcast. We were talking about the fact that I've got the Marvel Unlimited app running on the Kindle now. Yes. Which has drastically changed my reading habits mm-hmm. in a way that I would not have expected. It's amazing, isn't I am it? Now re- I'm now tearing through shit and i'm kind of using the word shit properly right that see that's a great thing I there's stuff that's like sub mediocre that you tear through six it. issues of because, it it's like because it's essentially free mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like you pay your nine dollar subscription for the month mm-hmm. and you're like well that that is at this point two and a half regular marvel comics yeah so as long as i read like two and a half regular marvel comics i would otherwise have bought mm-hmm. everything else is quote-unquote free and so that's how, on the bus up to Seattle, which had Wi-Fi, so I was able to do it, Ooh. I tore through, like, a good third of Tom DeFalco's Fantastic Four run. Wow. You know? Because mm-hmm. it, it's free. Because I, mm-hmm. I was on a bus anyway. What am I going to do? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, it's true. You know? And I, that, that was just amazing. But it, it's that's something I said. I mean, I very much enjoyed it. I think DeFalco is incredibly underrated as a writer, especially that period, and especially his ability to recapture Lee and Kirby voice. Mm-hmm. I think he does that incredibly well. There's a point uh, in that run where he basically turns the Yancey Street gang into the Newsboy Legion. <laughs> like, he introduces, like, f- the five characters who are the Yancey Street gang these days, and they're the fucking Newsboy Legion. Right. They're an updated Newsboy Legion. Mm-hmm. But they're the news, news by Legion. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that shit's great. Like, I love that. That's I funny. love his, his soap operatics. It gets, the further you get into it, or maybe it's because I read so much at one time, mm-hmm. like, it begins to get bogged down in itself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But definitely his first few issues, like his first 20 or so issues, you're like, this is amazing. Just tearing through it. Um, but I wouldn't pay money for any of that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? If someone was like, I'll give you the entire, whatever, 60 issue run. Right. Uh, for sixty dollars, I'd be like, no, 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 no. Right. That is not worth sixty dollars. Yeah. That might be worth sixty minutes, but mm-hmm. it's not for sixty dollars. Right. Right. So it's it's a it's a strange. I don't know. There's things that I would pay money for and mm-hmm. reread. There's things that I am really grateful to be able to read once mm-hmm. and essentially have it out my system. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Um, yeah. It, it's 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 a strange thing, but the digital economy and the back issue economy. Mm-hmm are such that you can do some of those things and other things just you just can't. Right. Right. Which I think is where you sort of end up seeing that sort of weird what's hot and what isn't in some of the back issue bins, you know? Yeah. It's really, yeah. really surprising in that regard. Yeah. But uh, so... So, okay, so what are you getting rid of? What do you think you're getting rid of after doing your cataloging? God, I don't, I mean, I I wish I could tell you. I mean, because I'm just, like, I'm looking at a bunch of the stuff that I've cataloged here. And I'm, part of me is like, uh, what's a good example? I mean, I honestly thought that I was going to get rid of the majority of it. So, um, you know, so like all of my, all like what I think is a good chunk of my fantastic fours. Um, a lot of which are incredibly torn up copies, you know, from all the way back in like the issue 
120s. You know, it's like the one 130 through 200 appears to be the bulk of my Fantastic Four collection. And then I've got other scattered stuff. And there's stuff in there that I really like, you know, that I would like, to, in fact, to revisit. Some of the stuff where Roy Thomas is writing it and he brings back in Counter-Earth and and you get George Perez in there drawing some amazing stuff. Wait, you know? but this this seems like a weird outlier because just like we've both got the Avengers DVD, do you yes. not have the Fantastic Four DVD? Well, see, that's why that's actually why I cataloged it. It was stuff that I'm going to probably revisit digitally. You know, yeah, it, Same, but that's know. what's good. But there'll be like it makes sense to get rid of that. You already have access, yes, to to that elsewhere in the format that you now read more. Right. Well, but okay, but see, for example, something because there's no DC equivalent. Uh, of a digital library. Admittedly, in theory, it's very easy for me to... Now I can get my hands on the entire run of Morrison's Doom Patrol in tr- in trade paperback, I suppose. And in fact, I think I might have bought a good chunk of them. But, you know, I've got the entire run, which I finally have assembled in one place, and I cared so much about assembling and reassembling that run. I have duplicates. Like, there's a period from, you know, the mid-40s where I have duplicate or triplicate issues even from, you know, buying a lot on eBay or something like Mm -hmm. that, you know? And I'm just like, I really do love that run tremendously, but I just can't really see myself going back and revisiting at this point now, you know? Do you think that'll change? Well, I don't know. (laughs) You know, I mean, it's kind of... Do you reread often? Like anything? Mm, That is a good question. I, I... I want to say that I do, but that's because there have been times when, for a while, it was like, when I was super team comics, I was very much a, like, I'd buy the individual issues, and I'd read them, and then, you know, six months later when the trade came out, I'd pick that up, and then I'd reread it all in a trade. Yeah. You know? But, so, but you don't you don't generally pull out back issues and reread them? I, I, I don't know. I'm starting to feel like no, because I feel like I have enough trouble trying to keep up with the stuff that I have, you know, that that's coming in every month. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like every, every week, the miracle of signing up for a subscription, you know, at some place like comics experience is, you know, I, I, I'm probably buying less comics than I've ever, ever have, but I still came back with like, you know, after not being to the store for two weeks, I came back with like something like 10 or 11 books yesterday. And... Yeah, it's it's very strange. I had the same experience last time I was at the store as well. Oh, really? Yeah. Where I, I hadn't been for a couple of weeks and I came back and I was like, that's a real stack of comics. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And it seemed odd. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I think there were some years there where I was really, really tapering off, I think. Or maybe I was just fooling myself or maybe only I remembered the most memorable books or something. But then you go back through and it's like, yeah, no, I'm I'm picking up. I'm picking up more than I thought. In fact, I, there's a few books that I I put. I just told them like, look, I I don't, I can't, I can't take any more copies of this. Like it's it's a good book, but I'm so far behind. I just sort of got I trailed off on mind management, and I just realized I'm not coming back. You know, and... that's that's a really weird moment when you realize that. Mm-hmm. Like, there's nothing, I have nothing against this book. However, I also don't have enough interest in this book to catch up. Right. Right. Exactly. It's just like, that's just not going to happen. So that's off as much as I loved, as much as I love on a flip through, um, 
you know, Azarello and Chang's Wonder Woman. I just love Cliff Chang's drawing style. I just, I haven't picked, I haven't cracked like the last three or four issues. I mean, that's, you know, that's like a quarter of a year where I just have not cared enough about Wonder Woman, their, their Wonder Woman title to pick it up and, and start reading it. Although when David Finch comes on, you're just going to be so excited about that shit. Oh, is that announced? I, I think so. Hasn't it been? Dude, I, I've, I've maybe, been... Maybe it's just rumored. I, I thought it had been announced, but I could be wrong. Huh. So the rumor is he's... Because is there... The, is there... the rumor is, is David Finch and his wife is writing. Oh, interesting. Uh, and when is Azarello leaving? Is it official? Really? Super soon. I would think so, yeah. <laughs> uh, I want to say that he said it was a three-year run. Mm-hmm. And we're on, what, issue 30 or something now, so... Yeah, 28, yeah. 29, Yeah, like with, within the Yeah, within the next year, definitely. Wow. Which, if you think about it, is a chunk, though. Yeah, no, 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 no. He had a huge... They had a huge run on it, and I think that's the thing that's problematic for me, is I went from, like, hey, this is great, to... I mean, it was hard for me. To, hey, Brian, this is still coming out. Yeah, I mean, it's tough. Yeah, Brian Azzarello's not a slam dunk with me, in any case, yeah. you know? Uh, it's weird. I get the, the DC. It's weirdly determined to send me collections of Wonder Woman mm-hmm. and Green Lantern. Mm. They come and go in everything else. They love sending like issue uh, volumes two and four mm-hmm. or one and three. Mm-hmm. And I think the trick is like, you know, you get volume three and you're like, well, I have, don't have volume two. Guess I'll just buy it. And I always think that's their, their mindset. <laughs> they're like, they're going to trick me into buying something. Mm-hmm. But um, I've got, every, I've had, they've sent every volume so far of Wonder Woman and Green Lantern. Well, or it's something else, Graham. It could be that they send you one in three and then they keep track of sales, you know, so that they can be like, well, sales are flat. Meaning that review copies don't move the needle in any way whatsoever, so we can stop sending comps. That's possible, and I'm still surprised they're sending out as many comps as they're sending. Yeah, they really do. They're pretty. It's pretty amazing. It, it's it's the only company I know who sends out uh, more quote unquote comps or Valiant. Mm-hmm. Like Dynamite sends me all of their single issues, but never sends me a collection. Mm. Whereas Valiant sends everything. Well, like the to... trade. And the hardcovers. Right. Wow. That's amazing. I, I, uh, you know, I decided to stop reading Archer and Armstrong. I, I, I have to say, I think you made a bad choice. But again, <laughs> that was a book that I completely drifted away from. And because I got sent all the comp copies, right. I could just go back and catch up. We'll see. Which is how I read a lot of that and how mm-hmm. I read a lot of Dynamite. Right. Right. Which I totally get. But I just, I was enjoying Archer and Armstrong. And in fact... After I read this latest issue, issue 19, I, I'm like, I can't believe that I'm pulling this. You know, I'm sort of also, like... It, it's ending soon. What? Yeah, but Van Lancey said that it, like, it's, he's got one more arc. I think it goes up to 24 and then it's done. And then it's done, done? Done, done, yeah. Because huh. it, it... Huh, well, then I guess, once again... I don't know. Did you <laughs> jump off at the wrong time, Jeff? I guess so. I could have just like, stuck like through. Going and... on for five months. Yeah. I know. I know. Everyone's like, "What? You can't hang out for another five months?" I'm like, "Why did I hang around this long?" You know, no one else did. I mean, clearly, every book you're telling me, people are like, "Oh, you mean?" Sure. Thanks, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, but it's true. I, I because I have the luxury of the comp copies of those books. Mm-hmm. It's very easy for me to like. Uh, not even lose interest as much as just get overwhelmed by everything else that's coming out because right. there is a shit ton of stuff coming out. Right. And then you go back and you're like, oh, I haven't read Archer and Armstrong in a couple of months. Yeah. I'll, yeah. you know, I'll read the issues and go. Or uh, yeah. a great example is 
Mark Wade's Green Hornet, mm-hmm. which I just I I read it you know, I really liked mm-hmm. up through like issue seven, and it's on like issue eleven now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I sat down with the issues I missed it and read it. I was like, this is great. But one of the things is like it's great reading it in a bunch. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, what I mean, like I can't even imagine these days what it'd be like in single issues. Right. And I'm starting to feel like I'm just kind of not at that place anymore. Like I used to do that. I used to go back, grab the five or six issues. You know, you sort of go grab the pile, you resort the pile. You realize you haven't read a bunch of this stuff. And since you've resorted it and you've got four or five issues right there in a go, you like grab them and you sit down and you read them in an afternoon or something like that. And I don't know. I, uh, you know, it's, it's really interesting because this is, this was, such a great week for me reading comics. Um, I just really enjoyed a lot of stuff. And honestly, the pull pile that I got was pretty good. But at the same time, there is something about like putting all these comics together and just being kind of like, uh, I don't know. It just, it's, I just, I just get this weird like, yeah, I don't I, – I'm starting to feel that something like the Marvel Library, you know, which takes up no space and yeah, Marvel Unlimited, it's like you, you go, you hit it, and then, you know, they might pull it. It might still be there, but it's kind of okay. Like, uh, it's – it's you still – I don't know. It's amazing to me how much of comics to me is just like I'm perfectly happy reading it. My only worry is, is that I'll read it and then sort of forget about it because it's not immediately – in front of my eyes. Actually, that's a problem with purchasing digitally is we still haven't talked about, you know, I picked up a ton of the South by Southwest digital comic sales, you know, that comiXology, the, no, not the sales, I guess it was like freebie. The, there was, yeah, they're, they did, they, they did they're, a lot of giveaways. Yeah. The weekend of giveaways. I downloaded a ton of shit and I bought that insane, you know, a hundred comics, uh, for ten dollars from the Comicsology Submit series, which mm-hmm. which I really was, I was like, uh, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I I don't like these numbers. You know what I mean? Um, but uh, do, I, wait, do, wait, you don't like these numbers? How? In what way? Well, assuming that all the that basically for a hundred com hundred Comicsology Submit comics for ten dollars means that all of the Comicsology artists agreed to have the price for the promotion be 10 cents. Yes. Right. Yes. So that comiXology submit takes, isn't it 40% of your cut? Uh, yep. But you also have to consider we like, we all bets are off for the promotion. Well, see, that's, I'm hoping that all bets are off for for the promotion because if it's not comiXology made four dollars off of every ten dollar pack they sold and every artist made six cents sure but again all bets are off for all sure. we know comiXology made ten dollars off that and none of the <laughs> that's true in which case i was really worried because some of the books that i read were clearly like done in ones by people who didn't don't have a second book up yet and i was just like mm-hmm. oh why did why were you part of this promotion i for, for like... to, to get the name out yeah, I guess, but I don't know. Part, I guess, yeah. So anyway, um, I've been really bad. Like, I was going to read a bunch of those this week, and I literally keep forgetting I have them because, you know, it's all tucked be tucked away behind a behind an iPad screen. I don't. Well, but that that's just it. That's the the real problem with digital that print doesn't have. Right. 
Like with print, there's actually a comic somewhere that at some point you will pick up and be reminded of. Well, you, with you, comicsology, you might never find that fucker. Right. You you have to pick it. You have to pick it up because it at some point it will be in your way for something. Yeah, that's you know what, what I mean? mean. Yeah. Whereas with comicsology, you have to go looking. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And that that's that is that is a problem with digital. Yeah, I've actually now that I've got the uh, Marvel Unlimited, mm-hmm. I don't think I'm going to be buying any Marvel comics digitally again. Well, it just it just doesn't make sense to me. It not unless you have to read it right there because they are very they're very behind. I mean, I don't they're, mind. They're six but... they're six months behind. Yeah, but that's almost a year behind for the books that are double shipping, which are a lot of them. Sure, but I'm okay with that. Well, I'm just saying. If you know you're I mean? okay like, I'm not that. saying I'm not saying I'm not sure. going to be buying any Marvel books, right? But between the price point, the fact you get the digital edition for free with the majority of them, with the majority of the print versions, and yeah. the uh, Marvel Unlimited, excuse me, mm-hmm. it makes no sense to me anymore to buy Marvel digital comics. Got it. I, I will continue to buy the books that I want to support mm-hmm. because there's a number of books I want to support. For multiple reasons, like I want to support Ms. Marvel because I think it's a great book, but also politically I think it's an important book. Mm-hmm. Uh, the same is true of Mighty Avengers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to keep getting Loki because I'm really enjoying it, mm-hmm. and because I want to support the creators of that, I want I'm going to uh, keep getting Iron Man for the mm-hmm. same reason. Mm-hmm. But that's pretty much it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because I love Daredevil. I think Daredevil. That's not true. Secret Avengers. Secret Avengers is on the list too. Mm. Um, I love Daredevil, but there's nothing about Daredevil that I have to read at that moment. And in mm-hmm. fact, Daredevil, I'd pretty much been getting digitally as back issues when I was like, I'm kind of in the mood to read some Daredevil. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As opposed to buying it in the the, the store. Mm-hmm. Um, and why would I do that now? Right. <laughs> like, I could, I could just wait and get the back issues on Unlimited. Right. Well, uh, that's it. I'm kind of excited that it's somebody who regretfully gave up the you know, reading Daredevil relatively early on, you know, it was regretfully right in the middle, you know, right near the beginning of the run. There's like 20 something odd issues that I could sort of sit down and rip through. And I'm really looking forward to, to doing, you know, I, for, uh, for the what day or something for that subscription? Shit, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's <laughs> the thing that's problematic. I've, I've actually been thinking a lot about trying to figure out, um, uh, like, you know, like buy the annual subscription and then donate a certain amount of money to charity and see if that actually makes me feel like less of a heel for getting the subscription. Because I really do. It's a really, really good match for me. People, if you like Marvel Comics, it's an amazingly good service. And really, it's worth it, I feel, even at the full price. So Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And I have to thank Dylan Todd for basically showing me the technological magic to get it onto the Kindle. Mm-hmm. Uh, because he, he was the one, this is how you sidle it onto the Kindle, and it worked. It's kind of buggy, but that's understandable. It's mm-hmm. not actually a Kindle app. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it's uh, having it on a mobile device as opposed to using the web interface, which is what I was using it for before, Yes, erased all of my doubts about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All of them. Yeah, it, it honestly went from, this is nice... Because uh, I was already thinking I might stay subscribed because from a research point of view for work, yeah, it's actually great. Like, it's really easy to get screenshots of things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Or like, what is the issue where, you know, racist 1950s gap comes in? 
Right. Oh, I can actually just go and find it and get a screenshot of the page, mm-hmm. which is incredibly great and easy for me and saves a lot of hassle. Yeah. Uh, so I was already like, yeah, maybe I could stay subscribed. But then actually getting it on a mobile uh, device with the app mm-hmm. uh, really changed it for me. I was like, oh, I totally get it now. Yeah. I actually, uh, the Avengers issues we read, I read on the, the Unlimited app this time. Oh, really? Yeah, because I was like, you know, why not? <laughs> You know, I, I've been here. Miss the not? ads and the bullpens and the um, I letters kind pages? I do, but not dramatically. Well, I tend to sort of dive in for those afterwards. Like, I'd read the stories and then I'd go, oh, I, I might want to read the bullpens. Mm-hmm. But I, would, I wouldn't I would read, like, the entire issue as an entire issue. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's very easy for me to just be like, I'm just going to read the stories. Bloop, bloop, bloop. Next issue. Bloop, bloop, bloop. Next issue. I've gone through 12 issues in no time. Right. Um, yeah, if you like Marvel... Uh, and especially if you like Marvel now, not Marvel now, but if you mm-hmm. like Marvel these days, yeah. but also have an affinity for the old stuff, yeah. it's, re- it's got a really nice balance. They mm-hmm. don't have everything at all. No. But like they do have the complete run of Thor, the complete run of Iron yeah. Man, and the complete run of the Avengers, which is kind of nuts. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. It's totally true. I've been reading my way through those Thors. In fact, that was, uh, you know, a chunk of my reading was doing another 12 issues of Lee Kirby's Thor and just really loving it. You know, it's like I'd like to say that I had access to so much more, you know, um, like I probably had the time to read more than that. But I read like that and I read Jason Aaron's Thanos Rising uh, you know, the five issue miniseries oh, where, where I'm like, I, I completely, I completely forgot that existed. <laughs> I, I genuinely did. <laughs> I, I would like to read that. Yeah, exactly. And it's all right there. One right after the other. So it's just one long read. You, you know what I read, which works really well on unlimited mm. ultimate Spider-Man. Oh, I believe it. All of the issues since the Miles Morales thing, which is basically when I dropped off, Uh huh. there's like 20, five of them on there right now. Oh my god, really? See, I'd yeah, love to I, read those too. Cause, exactly. Cause it's very uh, paced for the trade. Yeah, it's very paced for the trade, which when you're reading 25 of them digitally, mm. like, makes for a great afternoon. Yeah. Right. I genuinely makes for a great afternoon. You're like, this is great. And I have to say, the fact that he's got to like issue 200 of that now, mm-hmm. and the quality is still so good, and it's still such an individual book. It's such a Bender's book. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the positive way, Right, like it's it's everything you liked about Bendis still, mm-hmm. uh, and it's it does not feel like Peter Parker again. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's it was amazing to me. I was reading through, and I was like, this is like this would be one of the freshest Marvel books if it was like you know launched by a new writer right now and in the yes. mainline universe. The fact that it's fucking Ultimate Spider-Man by Bendis two hundred issues later is amazing to me. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I believe. Yeah, it. I, I totally recommend you read the, the Morales issues. Mm. Really would. Mm-hmm. And there's some lovely art by Sarah Pacelli in there as well. Wow. What else? What else have you read? I figure Marvel app wise, I figure we can. We can uh, what else have I read? I read that. I read a bunch of uh, the Ultimates after that. Actually. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the the Miller return to the series. Remember, he did like three six issue series. And they're, they're, they're terrible. They're, they're very enjoyably terrible, but they're terrible. <laughs> I, I read, I, I actually tore through a bunch of Miller stuff. I read Miller's Spider-Man series. Do you remember he did a 12 issue Spider-Man series? Really? Yeah. It's, and it's amazing. It's him 
and Terry Dodson with two. Oh yeah, I do remember that. Of course, I remember and because that was such I, horrible shit. Yes, and it's but it's you look at it now, it's such a template for his kick ass. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Amazingly so. Yeah, um, and it's yeah that when you I, have, I have to admit I read two issues of his 1985. Uh, on the oh uh, oh no I sh- I should totally read that I read yeah, his Fantastic should. Four again oh, really? which which you'd already read but mm-hmm. um, his Fantastic Four I read Fraction's Fantastic Four and FF as well mm. I I read a bunch of Fantastic Four uh, in large part because it's consistently fascinating to me how many people's Fantastic Four doesn't work even though it has the the it has good intent and the right ingredients yeah but they're, they're, it's stunning that the Fantastic Four is just this book that just defeats people. Oh yeah, it's a, it's a crusher. It's it's just it's ridiculously hard to strike the right tone with, I think. But you see, Miller and Fraction, who are both smart writers, mm-hmm. both going in having clearly done the research. Yes, well, see, that's it. I, I think try, they actually try, were very fond of the material. And, yeah, and yeah. trying very, very obviously to strike a very particular tone. Yeah, it's fascinating to read them both next to each other because you see. How both of them interpret the same tone, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and how both of them misinterpret the same tone, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and neither of them can do it. Yeah. And fascinatingly, the Tom DeFalco can. Well, like it's gen- no, but he really does. He's he's <laughs> cursed by Paul Ryan's art. Uh-huh. Cursed by Paul Ryan's art. Mm-hmm. But he gets the tone right. Okay, so here's the thing. Do, do you think, because I almost think there's there's two ways to do it. One way is, yeah, to hit that, somehow hit that tone and be kind of super faithful to it in a way that's really hard to, to nail down, I think, because a lot of people miss it. Or, because sure. my thing is, is, wouldn't you say that, like, even though it's not our cuppa, as they would say, Hickman's Fantastic Four is was clearly a hit, you know. Yeah, and, and, it, was and a, it was a hit because he didn't. He went in the opposite direction. Yeah. Well, see, and that's what it. That's what I think is. I think he went in a way. He went with the stuff that you could say is very Fantastic Four like, but he did it in a, in a lot of ways where he deviated from like the fan, like kind of the slavishly fanish way to go about it, I think, you know? And I think, yeah, no, I think and people I think, responded I think that, to that. I think that's why, yeah, I think that's why it worked. I think because mm-hmm. it, was, it was legitimately, uh, you haven't seen this Fantastic Four before, but it nodded enough to things that people thought were Fantastic Four-esque. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I, I feel that there's a certain level of, um, you know, extraterrestrial culture machinations that's a certain amount of Fantastic Four. You know what I mean? I, I guess. I I would argue that that's part of the series DNA, at least in the Lee Kirby issues. Yeah, well, no, I that's think, what I, I'm saying. I, that's, that's why I think that that's the strongest. Like, he clearly took the really... Like, he took the stuff from the Lee Kirby issues that was really cooking, but he, I feel like he sort of trimmed aside... He didn't do it in the same way. You know no, no, I, mean? I, I, th- I think we're saying the same thing. Yeah, okay. I, I think we're agreeing. Uh, it also makes me think, did you read Infinity while you still have access to the, the Unlimited? I haven't because I don't think they're very far in. Isn't it only like three issues in maybe? No, but that's half the series, Jeff. Yeah, oh, I thought it was eight issues. So No, it's six issues. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, uh, because no. Fantastic Four and Infinity 
both convinced me that like Jonathan Eggman's inner child is a complete stoner who plays D and D and listens to like Rush. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, right. it, 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 like you know, reads Dune. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah Dune like, seemed to yeah. be a big, big influence there. Um, yeah. Um, but no, I, I, a part of me makes me. Uh, I'm genuinely curious what you thought of Infinity, right. because I was. Uh, and you remember, I was very much out then. I was very much in right up until the last issue, and then I was way the, back out again. Way back out again, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so I'd be really, really curious what you'd make of it. Yeah, I, I suspect that it's, it'll be exactly the same, but I will check into it. Like someone, an art, uh, a guy who I'm much more in the corner of is Jason Aaron, in that yes. I feel like Aaron is is a dude who really does. Uh, I don't know if he's always or even, you know, he might be very rarely a huge home run kind of guy, but he is so good at, uh, you know, the consistent double play or triple play. Like, that Thanos book, on the one hand, I have to say, like, I disagreed with every step of the way, pretty much each one of his decisions that he makes as a decision that you're making for the character of Thanos, and yet as an entirely readable five issue mini series, I thought it was pretty good. You know, I'm, I'm going to say that uh, I am firmly on the Jason Aaron train. Part of this is of course I read all of scalped in like a weekend. Oh yeah. That was a couple Remember? of weeks back. We never talked yeah. about it. Mm-hmm. Um, which I was, I really was just left going this man. Holy crap. This Jesus Christ, this book, this, this is amazing. What the fuck? Um, which is so funny because when I read Scalp the first time, I, was, I read the first volume, I was like, this, I don't get this at all. And right. then I read all of them once and I was like, what the, f- this is amazing. I also, um, I loved his Wolverine and X-Men, as you know. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. Um, and the lovely people, people Image Comics sent me uh, Advance of Southern Bastards, his new series with Jason Latour. Mm-hmm. Uh, first of all, Jeff, you should buy that book. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and listeners, so should you. <laughs> there's there's two reasons for this. One, if nothing else, it looks amazing. Right. Latour's art is staggeringly good. And actually, I should check whether he does the colors as well, because it's actually the colors as much as the line work that makes it it work amazingly well. But it's it's a beautiful book, which sounds like the wrong thing to say about uh about that comic if that makes sense like mm-hmm. it's, it's a very ugly subject matter mm-hmm. so to mm-hmm. say it's a beautiful book is it seems kind of weird right but um it just looks amazing mm-hmm. i think he mm-hmm. did i think he did the colors too wow yeah it's 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 the, the art is just amazing really impressive hmm. um but it's also iron working firmly in scalp mode again mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh which is, uh, he's pretty much the American Ennis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, he's very much interested in the same themes as Ennis. Yes. Uh, Ennis has, Ennis is in love with the deconstructing the, uh, the myth of a, a sort of very particular American machismo and, and idea of, of the male mm-hmm. and, and the male's role in society and the male's role in fiction. Right. Especially. Um, and I feel that the iron in Scalped and now in, in Southern Bastards d- is doing the same thing. Mm. Uh, but he's coming at it in a really different way. Hmm. Because I think that Ennis simultaneously loves the myth uh, and 
is distant enough from it to have a a, a love that is clinical, for want of a better way of putting it. Right. And I think that Aaron doesn't love it, but is obsessed by it. Hmm. And, it and is trying to unpick it and is trying to work out why he can't leave it alone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, which uh, one of the things I liked so much about Scalp. Did you read Scalp? Like, am, am I? No, I mean, this is the, the, you. I have not because uh, I tried reading the first volume and weirdly, and I'm I'm like Mr. Noir guy. For there was something about it that just deeply depressed me and got me down, and I put it down like in the first volume, I think. And I, I yeah, Jeff, do what I did. Mm-hmm. Somehow managed to get all the books from the library. Right. So have them all at once. Mm-hmm. And just go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would like to say that I could do that easily, but uh, <laughs> but I know I can't. So it'll be really interesting to see what I can do. Um, just definitely get like the first three. Try and get know, like a third of the way through. One of the things that really puzzles me about Aaron is I really feel like... I don't know how to describe it. He's, I think he, it's very hard for me to figure out what, what Aaron is obsessed with because before you talked about the machismo thing, I was kind of like, Oh yeah, I think I feel like that's, you know, Ennis is obsessed with it. Uh, and Aaron is obsessed uh, with Ennis. You know what I mean? Which I don't think is his work is actually, I think strong enough that it doesn't read as tediously, um, uh, fawning is all that, you know, it's not just like reading some people I think probably do think that it's just like reading watered down Ennis, but I don't, I don't, I don't think so. And the other thing that I think is interesting to me is seeing how Aaron shifts gears. Like he clearly has a fondness for superheroes, for example, that Ennis does. Yeah, that, that's what I was going to say. That's the, the, his willingness to go wacky. Yeah. Um, really makes me think like Ennis what no Ennis would never do something like exactly exactly time. like yeah. at all it, it's yeah. the, the antithesis of an Ennis like Ennis would make fun of that comic yes and I no, feel that exactly Aaron has a real willingness mm-hmm. uh to embrace the lighter side yes and, and uh, not just to embrace it I think he has a belief in the lighter side I think he he thinks that it's a necessary part of the genre yeah and I oh, think I, that his exactly. Wolverine and the X-Men in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, I th- well, I think with Amazing X-Men also, it becomes text. It's not even subtext. Yes. There's the idea of like, we have to get Nightcrawler back because Nightcrawler is the one guy who finds this funny. Right. It's the one guy. And like, we will be better when we have someone who is smiling again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, that uh, even in his Wolverine, even in, in, in other... Oh yeah, and Thor especially Thor. I think mm-hmm. is is very funny, mm-hmm. but also very dumb for want of a better way, better way of putting it. Yeah, but, it, it, but it's, in it's the a right willingness... way. Yeah, no, exactly. I'm not exactly. I'm not meaning any of this as, as yeah, an insult. Exactly. No, no, there's, no, no. There's no, a no, willingness no. to there's a willingness to not only not overthink things. Yes, but very much go. That's a stupid idea, and that's why it's awesome. Right. I mean, I think that that's what I mean is it feels to me that like Aaron is on the one hand, like a far bigger fanboy than Ennis is, but he's also, I feel in a lot of ways, a real professional, I suppose, in that he, he, he seems to make his choices 
for the story, based on the story. He usually like he he li- seems to like telling goofy Wolverine stories just as much as he likes telling dark Wolverine stories. But as a general yeah. rule of thumb, he knows not to. He doesn't mix it up so much within the same issue. You know what I yeah. mean? He doesn't. He doesn't push it. He doesn't. You know, go. I'm doing this dark noir story, and here's a wacky thing at the end. Right. Exactly. So, um, you know, so I just I kind of can't figure out. In in, in probably a good way, it would be really hard for me to think. And maybe because I haven't read Scalp, maybe it's the missing piece of the puzzle. But he doesn't really strike me as especially that obsessed with anything other than, I think, you know, trying to make good comics. You know what I mean? And I don't necessarily mean that in any sort of, I don't know, hey, that just sounds like you're, such you're, a yeah. slam, you know? It, it, sounds, it sounds totally derisive, but I don't think you mean it that way. I think you're like, I think you're trying to say his, his, uh, his primary allegiance is to the work. Yeah. No matter what the work is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I, I, I read Scalped, first mm-hmm. of all. Uh, definitely read Southern Bastards. Mm-hmm. Definitely read Southern Bastards. Um, if only because I think the similarities between the two, and I'm not saying they're the same book because they're definitely not, mm-hmm. but similarities between the two might make you rethink your I'm not seeing any themes mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I think a lot of what's in both of those books to, is to an extent in his Wolverine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you could also find echoes, although not direct echoes, in his Thor. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, 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 think there's, I think there really is a... a I don't think his, you can really point to a through line the same way that you can in an Ennis, for example. Yeah. Because I feel like Ennis is always essentially writing the same type of book. Right. Or the same story. Um, um, he, there's stripes. He has stripes, but he has... But, like, yeah, there's, like, the... the or, or, you know, Warren Ellis. Mm-hmm. Warren Ellis. Right. And Ellis, I think, is in a super... Yeah, he's in that super limited band of... But, like, the Ennis spectrum, there's several colors in the spectrum, but it's not especially... It's not especially sure. wide spectrum. I, and I guess that's what I'm saying. I don't... I think Aaron is, is very much the opposite of that. Exactly. Aaron, exactly. Aaron could do many things. Yeah. But I think there's definitely preoccupations to keep popping up. Interesting. Okay. That that could be. I... I I would love to get a handle on that. And I, I have to say, I'd love to see Jason Aaron do Fantastic Four. Love it. Mm, interesting. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. Uh, I'd, be, I'd be super curious to see what he did, which is one of the reasons why Original Sin is kind of fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Do you want to talk about Original Sin number zero? Uh, Can you? I, I, actually, I actually don't know because I didn't officially get it do you know what i mean like i don't want to mm-hmm. break an embargo and get people into trouble and by people i don't mean marvel i mean the people who sent it to me mm-hmm. but how really how could they i mean i mean unless I, you had marvel i, I guess come it's true it's not like i'm say... gonna be like and then blah 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 i sent it to me yeah um well the the first the issue i sent was the mark wade prequel anyway it's the prologue the zero issue okay i didn't know if aaron was doing the zero issue or not i'm no pretty... it's it's mark wade and jim chung got it and it's an origin of the Watcher, which mm-hmm. I'm not sure, like, if there's ever been an origin of the Watcher. There before. is. People corrected me, interestingly enough, when I bitched about the name that 
in a Mark Wade comic, when he gave a name to the Watcher, I was like, oh, those sons, of- why the fuck did he come up with a name? And people pointed out that the Watcher had a name. He does have an origin story that was created by Stan Lee and can't remember who's doing the art. I don't, I don't want to say it was uh, a great choice. It might have been Gene Colan or something like that. Anyway, but back when he had a backup series in the back of some comic and... It was, I honestly don't remember the, the origin of the watchers as that separate from the origin of the silver surfer for some reason. Go figure. So uh, I'm trying to, yeah, actually now that I'm looking at, I'm looking on Wikipedia, then yeah, what the origin of the watchers that is shown in Wikipedia, um, which apparently came from tales from tales of suspense. Right. Um, is, is recapped in this issue. Uh, so it, it's this is this is who the Watchers people are. This is why the Watcher has his his. Uh, I will not get involved, even though I am the Watcher. I get involved all the fucking time, right? And in fact, hilariously, he even does it at the end of this issue because the Watcher <laughs> cannot help himself. The Watcher is the worst Watcher in the world. Yes, um, and it's fine. It's it's a completely professional. Uh, comic that looks very nice and I have no real understanding of why it exists other than to make money, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't imagine that there is going to be a part in Original Sin, the proper series where someone's like, the crucial clue is the history of the Watchers. Right, exactly. So the idea of spending an issue telling the story of the Watchers again mm-hmm. feels like an entirely unnecessary um, if pretty, you know, mm-hmm. waste of time. To be honest with you, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. it's it's done completely professionally. There's nothing wrong with it, other than it feels entirely surplus to their requirements. Right. Right. Not like that Nova prologue for Avengers versus X Men. Hey, guess who's in this one? Nova. <laughs> I like the idea that Nova is just a character that Marvel uses as like a bookmark for what's, events what's that they're. What's hilarious you know. to me is one of the people who sent it to me mm-hmm. was like, "Have you noticed that Nova's always in these prologues?" <laughs> and I was like, "I think that's the only time I've ever read Nova, like this particular Nova, the 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 um, Sam Alexander, not Rich Rider." Yeah, I, I was like, "I think the only time I've ever read him is in like crossovers or prologues for other comics." Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Which is kind of great. I love the idea that he's literally, like, he's Wave Rider. He's just going to keep popping up. And like, ooh. <laughs> he's the new Watcher. Big cosmic events are happening because I'm, you're reading something with me in it. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, but no, the, it's Original Sin, I'm super curious about it because it's Aaron. So right. I'm, I, I expect it to be, if nothing else, a good comic. Like a well-written right. comic, I should say. Yeah. Um, Murder Mystery with the Watcher. It's infinite. Yeah, it's a density crisis again. Mm-hmm. But I've got nothing against a murder mystery. But also, I'm super excited after they did the Beyonder tease. After they did the Beyonder tease, I swear to God, I emailed the guy at Marvel PR in all caps and was like, "If you're bringing the Beyonder back, I am going to fucking shit myself." <laughs> <laughs> I love the Beyonder, Jeff. I love him. I know you do. I know you do. So, which is great. Him, I ho- totally hope they bring him back, and I want them to bring him back with the fucking hair. <laughs> <laughs> he 
You read Secret Wars 2, because I didn't remember this. You read Secret Wars 2 and you realize he is actually meant to look like Michael Jackson. Yeah, he's supposed he's to look Michael like Jackson Michael Jackson. And he goes, I want that hair. Mm-hmm. That's so great. The idea that he's going to be like, I want to look. Because don't forget, his body is based on Captain America's. So right. he's Captain America with Michael Jackson's hair. And, and pretty much his outfit. He's kind of got yes. that jumpsuit thing Isn't going on, Isn't that so great? Yeah. It's Captain... Like, imagine Chris Evans with Michael Jackson's hair. Someone who is good at Photoshop, you have to do that now. Oh, my God, please. That's person who, person who is going to Photoshop that, contact like. me. I will counter any offer Graham makes to make sure that's that does the, not come out. That's what the Beyonder looks like, Jeff. He's Chris Evans with Michael Jackson's hair. Did you see that timeline, by the way, of Chris Evans' pull quotes that I think Vulture, the Vulture website put together that was, it's basically like 10 years of Chris Evans talking about how disappointed he is being in movies, you know? Um, <laughs> no, but I do think it was hilarious that um, I've now seen three different, from different quotes at different times, quotes of, I'm giving up acting after I'm finished with Captain America. Yeah. And then... Today, there was a story which was, I'm not giving up acting, why are you all saying that I am? <laughs> it's like, because of all these times you say it. Yes. And every single time he says it, it's always reported as news. No one is ever like, he said this before. <laughs> well, this, this one person broke it down, but, and showed like he's been saying it for years, but they did a great job of making it seem like it's escalation, not just his, his patented PR move. In but fact, it's also, it's yeah. today, uh, there's the Bloomberg piece about Kevin Feige, mm-hmm. uh, where he's like, "Yeah, Marvel's movies are planned through 2028." Wow, 2028. And everyone's like, "Everyone's like 2028. Holy shit!" And what's really funny is six months ago, uh, Kevin Feige's like, "Marvel's movies are planned through 2021." <laughs> and I love the idea. The six months are like, we just added seven years. Okay, we just added seven years. So there's a seven year plan yeah, in advance. We, we just went, okay, Avengers four, right? Uh, you know, Captain America seven, and. You know, we'll have, I, fuck it, we'll give Black Widow a movie. You know. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what 2028 is. They worked yeah, it up exactly. to 2021, and then there's a seven year gap and Black Widow movie. Just so we can say it's on the schedule and people will shut up. You know? That's the thing. I so, like, if I had any in with Marvel Studios, I so would have sent them an email today being like, okay, can you just tell me, in your, at this point, 14 year in the future plan, yeah. are any of your movies got solo women or solo black male leads. Yeah. And then, and then, and then they're like, no comments. Yeah, they're like, okay, take that guy off the comp list. He's already off the comp list, or put him on the comp list, and then after two months, that's, we're going to take him off the comp take list. take him off, yeah. He, he can't talk to us. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, I, I could talk about Snowpiercer. I, I'm sort of like... Just because there's a weird Chris Evans connection there, but um, yes, go talk about Snowpiercer because the people loved it. It's great! Holy shit, I really love Snowpiercer. Uh, the the reprint by Titan Comics, Volume One. I came across it in hardcover with uh, a few other books that I picked up, checked out of the library, and have been God help me, took me a month to get around to reading them, and I'm really glad I did. First one I'll mention, Snowpiercer by Jacques Loeb and Jean-Marc Rochette. Um, it is about, <laughs> it is it is great. It is totally, if you are a fan of unsubtle comics, pick up this book. It's terrific. It really feels like a perfect for me bridge 
between early 2000 AD and Euro sci-fi comics, you know, cause I think, excuse me, apart from some of the, the greats like, you know, Anki Bilal or, you know, uh, Mobius or something like that, I'm pretty unschooled in French, like the Bon Dessiné and just sort of that whole style of, of European albums, a lot of which are science fiction. Um, most of them usually don't strike me. They usually sort of just feel like uh, maybe both a little too whimsical and a little too obvious. Like, you know, like, you know, when you go to a different country, Graham, and you turn on TV and you just realize how broad, like, it's probably everyone's taste in like, say, comedy or entertainment or really seems like really broad and obvious and almost cartoony, but, but you can be really shocked when it's in another language. So you don't have the context. You yes, know? No, I, I totally remember going to Germany uh, mm-hmm. when I was, shit, I would have been 21, I guess, 22. And uh, myself and my girlfriend at the time watching German comedy on right. TV and just being stunned. Like sort of looking at each other like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> yeah, there's a there's a little bit of that. So there's there's always a little bit of... It took me a long time, like apart from the greats where you're just sort of experiencing them a little bit filtered through their own sort of uniqueness and their, that sort of strange feeling. Um, like a lot of the other stuff for Euro guys always felt a little, it always, you know, whenever I'd flip through heavy metal, I'm like, this feels really obvious. It feels really blatant. They seem to be big fans of, you know, it just seemed like, Everyone was still trying to remake a Sergio Leone movie, you know, as a graphic novel for the next 30 years or whatever. Sure, yeah. Snowpiercer is, to me, has the hook that is right out of early 2000 AD, meets some of the the stuff that you would encounter in the more Euro books in that Snowpiercer is a gigantic super train that is running on a train track that runs along the entire uh, course of the world. So it never stops and it is moving through all the entire world has become a vast apocalyptic winter wasteland and all of Western civilization has been packed onto the snow piercer, a train that is 1,001 carriages long. It is a uh, 1,001. Yes. 1,001 carriages. That long. In fact, so that, great. It, it, oh, let me, ah, shit, I got to get up and roll over here. Let's see if I can fit it. Cause honestly, the first cap two captions of snow piercer to me say so much about what the book is and what its appeal is. So first panel, this train, this very blank faced train, like blasting and plowing through all this snow. And the panel first uh, caption is across the white immensity of an eternal winter from one end of the frozen planet to the other, there travels a train that never stops. This is the snow piercer, 1001 carriages long. And there you have it in the 1001 carriages are, all that remains of civilization. And of course, civilization uh, is highly compartmentalized as you would expect for a, a, a story about a train, but also the class structure of the first class cars, the second class cars, the, the story begins almost literally on the first page because somebody from the back, which is where the poor rabble have been locked away 
you know, and kept away from all the paying customers. Um, someone escapes from the tail end of the train by crawling outside the train in the unbelievable cold and breaking in somewhere in, you know, the back middle of the train freaks everyone out. And he and a, uh, rebel activist who is trying to, um, part of a movement to bring more rights to the people in the tail end of the section. They both end up being caught up and ordered to travel to the front of the train so that the, the, the commanders in the first coach can actually see them and interview them. So Snowpiercer volume one is the trip of these two people escorted by soldiers through all the cabins of the train and seeing the various situations that are in place, you know, the garden car, the car where the artificial meat is grown, the, the ghetto cars, you know, where people are doing drugs and gangs are running around. I mean, it is an absolutely unsubtle, you know, um, capitalist and class conscious critique. And it worked for me because part of it is in sort of black and white, um, art with a lot of gray tone and there's like, you know, the sections are maybe broken into 30 or 40 pages at a time or something like that. But then every once in a while you'll get an exterior shot of, again, the train like plowing through the snow and the, this is the snow piercer, 1001 carriages long being repeated. It's, it was just great. It was a great read. The art is very, for me. It was interesting to look at the reviews on Goodreads because a lot of people were like, this is a great idea, but it was handled like some immature writer and it didn't make sense. And the, 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 pl the characters are all like paper thin. And I'm like, it's, you know, it, to me, it's from that, uh, the, what I didn't realize was, uh, Jacques Loeb, who is a French writer who created like, basically a, a parody of Superman and French nationalists. And I can't remember what it, if it's like Superbum or whatever it is. He basically wrote a lot of satirical um, comics and then district 14. He wrote in the seventies, his collaborator died and then he finished it up with someone else. So it wasn't published until 82. Um, it's coming out over here because in 2004, um, the Korean filmmaker, uh, Jung Boon Ha, and who, who wrote and directed, well, or at least directed The Host, which I thought was fantastic, came across it in a comic book store, read it and loved it so much. He and, uh, Park Chan Wook, who did, uh, Old Boy, um, they basically decided, like, we've got to make this as a movie. So it came out as a Korean film starring Chris Evans. John Hurd, Tilda Swinton, and a whole bunch of other Eurocast, it came out back in Korea in 2012 and was a huge hit. And um, <clears throat> then Harvey Weinstein bought it up and it's been sitting on a shelf languishing ever since. So, But, it, but it, no, it's come out here, hasn't it? Uh, I don't know if it has. has I have it? the strangest feeling it has, but I might be maybe people were talking about it i i really genuinely yeah i think it came out last year uh it could no it's coming it's coming out this year june 27th june 27th 2014 yeah so it's not out yet it's not out yet so we'll see if it actually comes out then or not but um but yeah it's uh it's supposed to be uh, anyway um so so there's two volumes of snowpiercer i don't know how they could do a volume 2 after reading volume 1 but it's 
really great. It's not it's not a subtle book to me. It honestly it kind of it kind of reminded me of Kafka in some ways. Um but it's also I don't know, I can also see where a lot of people would would have found it really flat, but after a diet of reading, you know, 2000 ADs and some early 2000 AD stuff, I'm like, no, this is just about right. The the art style yeah, no, by no, it, it sounds totally 2000 AD. Yeah, it very much so. Uh except uh, it goes a little more dour, you know what I mean? The 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 2018, I feel like in that day, uh, aired on the side of jolly satire. And this is a pretty dour piece of work. But uh, the art style by Jean-Marc Rochette is really interesting to me because there's parts of it that remind me of like Wally Wood and EC artists and stuff like that. And um, even though I think that it's just, you know, guys like the the Jean-Claude Forrest, the guy who drew Barbarella and stuff like that, you know, a lot of for lack of a better word, sort of representational sort of cartoony. You know what I mean? Um, it's, it was great though. The, the, the mix of those two things, it's a very, very grim little, um, piece of science fiction that I, you know, that, that of course is largely a commentary and satire, but I fucking loved it. Um, so, and that's our Chris Evans link. Yeah. Supposedly Chris Evans thinks that his work in it was some of the best stuff he's ever done. And, is upset that it's still languishing on a on a shelf and and no one no one in the United States has seen it yet. And of course the rumors are may never cuz nobody really trusts the Weinstein brothers to to release their um movies that they purchase altogether, you know. Release um, the tax writers. Right, exactly. They they have so many of them that they just allowed to languish, languish on the shelves. Um Another book that I talked to that was fantastic that's very similar in some ways while being absolutely different in the others is District 14 by Pierre Gubas and uh, Romuald, Romuald uh, Reutemann. Um, Humanoids brought out what's called season one of the book, which I assume means that it's like the first, I don't know, 12 issues or something. I think each issue is about 22 pages and it goes up to like page 293 or so. So um, it is a kind of, it's a fantastic story about two. Um, and it seems like the sort of thing that you would, I think really like Graham in some ways, because it's almost like, a, it's almost like if Jay Stevens created Sin City, you know what I mean? It's very yeah. much like um, it's about two reporters one one is a uh, hot-headed beaver, and the other one is a quiet, soft-spoken elephant with secrets who are doing reporting in this uh, unbelievably crooked metropolis filled with talking animals and people and super-powered cats and, you know, extraterrestrial alien immigrants and everything in the city is, like, corrupt, so there's, like, you know, gang bosses who are like toads with tadpoles as the tadpoles as their like uh gunsels, you know, and it's it's just this huge dollop of incredibly playful, indie feeling, um I don't know, big urban action. You know, kinda of, again there's that kind of urban obsession with um you know, like what's black is it black sod or black sade? You know, the, oh yeah, Black Sod, yeah, yeah. That's the cat is, is who's like a like the funny. I've never gotten much of a handle on sort of the the funny animal 
grim urban adventure thing that the Europeans tend to love for whatever reason. I don't, I don't really, but I get it here. Here it's fantastic because it's very, very playful. Uh, I think all having all the other stuff get jammed into it, it just really feels like a, um, a really enjoyable melange of influences. Um, and again, it's, it's drawn in like a really great style that sort of reminds me of Jesus. I mentioned Jay Stevens, but almost like if you can imagine some sort of weird marriage of like Jay Stevens and like, I don't know, Dylan Horrocks or something like that. Um, that sounds amazing, Jeff. Yeah. It's, I think it's, I think it's really just a tremendous book. I had not heard of it before stumbling across it in the library and it was absolutely a complete pleasure from like start to finish. Totally recommend it. Um, and then the final book that I want to talk about that I checked out from the library is the first volume of Uku, The Inner Chamber by uh, Fumi Yoshinaga, whose work I adored in uh, Flower of Life and Antique Bakery. I had no idea that she was doing uh, this manga, of which there's now something like nine translated volumes available through Viz. It's great. It's a... Um, it's an alternate history of Edo era Japan, where what happens in this alternate history is a plague wipes out something close to like 90% of the male population. So the women population takes over the few men that survive, um, you know, are become basically treasures because of their ability to like, they're the only way that can, you know, propagate the species. So in this gender flip, what happens is the shogun of Edo era Japan is a woman and has been for several generations by the time you get a prologue talking about the plague. And then when the story starts, several generations have passed. This is all entrenched. Women are the farmers and the laborers and also the, you know, the bureaucrats. There's very few roles available for the men in part because they're considered, you know, their health is frail, frail but they're also a commodity. So it's a beautiful way to sort of gender switch these sort of traditional tales that you might be um, seen being told about, you know, Japanese handmaidens or geishas, because what happens is the female shogunate, um, the inner chamber is the chamber of the rumors are like 800 men that she keeps basically as a commodity and as breeding stock and as... You know, but more than anything else, the prestige, because they're such valuable objects. Having all these men locked away in an inner chamber, they're paid very well, their families are paid very well, but they can never leave that chamber for the rest of their lives. And so their life as kept men and the hierarchies and politics that play into that um, is all sort of mapped out in in kind of loving detail. Um Again, a really good book. It's sort of like, yeah, you know, it's like I sort of wanted Why the Last Man, but I didn't want it as a smart ass. I wanted it as kind of a heartfelt but clever manga that was set in historical Japan, you know. Um, so you get lots of fun, you know, fun facts about Edo era Japan. You get the way that, that Yoshinaga talks about the way that things would differ, of course, with, with women in place. And I don't want to give away too much, but one of the great joys of the first volume is how much she sets up her premise and then what she goes on to do with it. Um, Cause 
I was halfway through the book. I'm like, oh, I totally know where this is going to be going. And, oh, my God, I can't believe that they're setting this up. You know, when the hell are they going to explore it? And then did a lot of unexpected stuff by the end of it. So Okay, and the name of that is what? Is Uku, O-O-K-U, The Inner Chamber by Fumi Yoshinaga. Um, like I said, there's like, I think, nine volumes currently available in the U.S. through Viz Signature. And I can't wait to get my hands on like another two or three volumes and just rip through it. It's, it should be great. So those, yeah, those three volumes, all terrific and all really fun to sort of read so close to each other because in some ways, um, they're very similar books, I suppose, or they have similar obsessions that make them interesting. I have to ask Jeff, can you hear the dog silence? I can. What is happening? <laughs> I don't know. But give me two seconds and I'll go and find out. Okay. Bye, you back. Yes, of course. Maybe I'll go get some water while Graham's here, but then he's going to come back and it's going to be... Oh, well, hold on. Just a second. Hello? Not hello. I said hello, but you're off doing something else. You're in the background. Here you come. Are you back? Here he is. Hey. (laughs) I told them where I was going. So what happened? Great. I didn't hear where you were going. Um, the, the dogs were just crazy. They, they, they were just seeing something outside and they mm-hmm. wanted to howl hello. I don't know what to tell you. Wow. Because it sounded insane. I was Oh, no. That, Jeff, that, that's what they do now. Gus is... Well, you know Gus has been howling for a while. And Ernie has decided that he can harmonize. You know, it's a good thing that everyone on your block loves you, because I'm sure there are times where the dogs probably get a little old. Oh, oh, Jeff. (laughs) We have dogs on this block who are pretty much just the same. Yes. Like, we have a choir of dogs. (laughs) (laughs) Because I was two doors down and has got a dog there as well now. Yeah. So, yeah, there's many dogs in this block, and they all like to talk to each other. (laughs) A lot. In very insistent voices. That doesn't get old at all. Uh, so yeah, you may want to edit all this out while I run downstairs to talk to dogs. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, I what I was going to say mm-hmm. uh, was you were saying that uh, Uku has, you think you know where it's going and then the end there's like, and this is the premise. And you're like, holy shit. Mm-hmm. Um, did you read Dead Letters? The new boom book? No. Uh, it's Chris Sibelia and, uh, God, what's the name of the artist? It's, it's a great name. It's like Chris Visions or something. Mm-hmm. Chris Visions, that's what it is. Um, and it is, Sibelia likes to do, noir isn't the right thing, but he likes to play with crime genre conventions. High mm-hmm. crimes, he's, he does high crimes with Monkey Brain. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Dead Letters initially starts off like a, uh, I, I noir story or crime story. It's a guy who has amnesia and he's in a very bad situation where he has to escape from. Mm-hmm. You know, something has gone wrong. Shit has gone down. Right. He doesn't know who he is or where he is, mm-hmm. but he knows that people are coming after him. Mm-hmm. Um, and the end of the issue is great because it has such, it's like, and this is the high concept of the series, which you just do not see coming mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it's very enjoyable up until that point, in large part because Sabella really likes the genre and likes to 
um, indulge the genre, for want of a better way of putting it. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're familiar with, with crime tropes, he's definitely playing with them, but it's affectionate and it's not... Uh, deconstructing, he's just like, and you know, he's kind of winking to the audience. You know what this is. You know what this is. Mm-hmm. Um, it helps. Chris Vision's art is wonderful. Hmm. It's really attractive, kind of cartoony, but not cute. For mm-hmm. a better way of putting it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the high concept in the last couple of pages, you're like sold. <laughs> Interesting. I did. I did not think that's what this book was, but I am completely in. Huh. And I kind of want to tell you what it is, but I also don't, because I want you to read the book and be surprised by it. Isn't this the one where, like, didn't Rich spoil the ending of it, now that I think of it, on Bleeding Cool? Rich, what did he say in Bleeding Cool? Um, He probably did. Well, let me, let me do, let me do this. We can edit this out if it turns out that I'm right. But the, the end is, is that the guy has no memory, but he's in purgatory. Yes. Okay. Yeah. and he's and God basically is, is hiring him as a private detective. Right. Yeah. 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 I I I'm glad that worked for you because I really was. I had the opposite opinion of sold. I was kind of like, ah, really? That doesn't uh, but, seem. But here's the thing: if you read the comic, it's earned. Okay. It sounds well, that's probably gimmicky. the difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. it sounds gimmicky when you just learn it. Right. But when you read the comic, it's errant. You get to the end and you're like, and because it is so not what you thought you were getting, mm-hmm. you're like, I'm in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a surprise as much as the gimmick itself. Does that make sense? Yes. It's the, I'm pleasantly surprised as opposed to, that's a great idea. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not a Kirby where like, you know, Kirby, any Kirby concept, you, someone just has to say, it's blah meets blah. Right. And you're like, yes! <laughs> it's it's the execution. It's the, I totally didn't see that coming, and that's a cute enough idea that I want to see where you go next. Okay. Well, uh, that's I'm saying I'm saying read it, Jeff. I'm saying so that enough, I will have to no, check it don't out. Don't listen to Rich Johnson. <laughs> he was I'm saying the point, same thing that you were, actually. He just gave I'm it away. Pointing at, I'm pointing at the screen. Oh, like, good. That is great. As if, like, Rich is right there on the screen. Don't listen to that man! Don't. No. Don't point this site here. Go away from it. Don't get near it. The thing is, like, it's not even up on the screen. It's my email that's up there. I'm finding out my own email. (laughs) Don't listen to this man! (laughs) Ah, Jesus. Um, Talking of other things I I get sent, um, King's Watch, the the Jeff Parker Mark Lightning series, the, the yes. defense of their series, mm-hmm. uh, finishes with issue five, which is out next week, which will be this week as you're listening to it, listeners. Interesting. Um, and continues in the new Flash Garden series. Mm-hmm. Uh, two things. One, both books are very good. Two, mm-hmm. Flash Garden is amazing. Oh, yeah? Uh, Flash Garden is drawn by, I'm going to get his name wrong, Evan Shaner? Hmm. Or Doc Shaner? Oh, Doc Shaner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Jeff, it's looks so good looks so good it's like someone said what if chris sprouse got slightly less mannered and more naturalistic wow and it's colored by jordy belair so in other words it's a beautiful looking comic Mm -hmm. it's it just looks so amazingly good and parker's take on flash garden which i've been loving through king's watch Mm -hmm. i love even more when it's essentially just a flash garden comic Mm -hmm. it's flash and dale and zarkov on Mongo. Mm-hmm. Well, how can you go wrong with that? Right, exactly. That is stuff. I mean, it's. I will definitely check it out. King's Watch 
looked looked yeah, lovely, it, and I thought Parker did a great job with it. I was not, for whatever reason, it just didn't fry my burger the way that I know that it did yours. Um, but I would definitely do a follow up with uh, with um, Flash Gordon and see if it works. Well, and K- yeah. King's Watch very like ends very clearly as this is the origin story for Flash and the new Phantom. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's very very clear. Like the, this series existed to get these characters to this particular place, right? And then in theory, jump off with them with the new yeah elsewhere. Like yeah, the, the last couple of pages of King's Watch are pretty much like you almost expect uh, to be continued in the new Phantom issue one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's that sort of thing. But the Flash Garden is great. Oh, that's terrific! It's it's, it's everything you would want from a Flash Garden comic. Hmm. Mm. In large part because Evan Shaner and Jordy Blair make the greatest art team. Mm. The book looks so good, Jeff. It's it should be illegal how good that book looks. Really? Wow! My goodness, it, it's spectacular. Um, along similar but opposite lines, uh, yes. Francis Manipal and Brian Buccioletto made a great team on the Flash. It <laughs> looks great, right? They're Detective Comics. Did you read it? I saw it was there, and I was so tempted to pick it up, but I just you made the right choice, Jeff. Oh, really? Wow, that's surprising. Unfortunately, uh, it's it's whereas the Flash was not the greatest of books in terms of the writing was always a bit out of focus mm-hmm. and a bit slow, ironically. Mm-hmm. Um, but the art was always great, right? Mm-hmm. The art was always mm-hmm. inventive and it was pretty. Yeah, Detective just feels like a fucking sludge. Mm. It just feels really slow, really weighed down. There's nothing original in the story. Mm-hmm. It's it's a real disappointment. Hmm. Yeah, I I hate to say it, but I did have that feeling of, you know, the Flash had a lot of graphic invention um, to it, but I having read like close to 15 or 16 of the issues, I was always impressed at how off the pacing felt in that sense of like all of the stories felt kind of rushed and half baked, but I also didn't feel like a, sometimes a lot would go on in them, but the setup was never nailed. You know what I mean? I, I thought so, you were saying there were, there were uh, half baked and, and, but also weirdly slow. Yeah. Like it's, it's so intensely feel rushed. Mm-hmm. Really slow. At the yeah, same exactly, time. exactly, and that—that's it. It just felt—it felt really uneven in that there were these two different key things that I felt like they got wrong, but like I kept waiting for it to gel, and then they'd been on the book like over a year, and it was kind of like, yeah, I don't know this. I think they may have thought of it as having gelled, so I was just, yeah, I kind of left that book, and I think I might have even—I can't remember. I remember telling you I was going to leave it, and I can't remember if I left. And you were like, but they only have one more issue or something. Yeah, but yeah, was... I, I seem to remember it was a really similar thing to Arthur and Armstrong. Yeah, there was like, you were left maybe like the last couple of issues or something. Right, exactly. They're like, but yeah. there's nothing left, Jeff. Why don't you just stick around? Come on, you know. Watch them yeah, put well, up the I, chairs. I, I will tell you right now, do not even jump on board, Detective. Uh, that's a shame. Like, their, their cliffhanger, the first issue, is... You know that potential love interest Bruce Wayne met? Something terrible happened to her. <laughs> it's like, she's a love interest for Bruce Wayne. Of course something terrible happened to her. <laughs> that's, that's what they do. Uh, uh, it was... It was uh, uh, yeah, it was not great. 
<laughs> I was I'm kind sorry of, to hear that. Yeah, nah, I was I was kind of sad about it. Uh, DC also sent me Aquaman and the others, which remains the funniest name for a comic. Yeah, what the fuck is Aquaman and the others? It's um, it's Aquaman's other superhero team, the team he was in before the Justice League in the current New 52 continuity, who are called the Others, which, on the face of it, is a fine name for a team, because it's like, you know, let's make the outsider thing, you right. know, incredibly blatant. They're the Others. But when you call a comic Aquaman and the Others, it's honestly like you're like, Aquaman and those guys. Yeah, totally. Totally. <laughs> it's, it's so great. It's like, Aquaman and the Others, just no. And it's, um, Dan Jurgens writes it. And Dan Jurgens writes it, Jeff. Yeah, oh, that's never that's never a thing for me. That is that is bless his heart. Dan Jurgens, not a draw. I know that he did Dan some Jurgens, stuff. Yeah, professional. Yes, professional. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. It, it's, um, yeah, it's kind of sad, but there you go. That that's happening. And I said to you last week when we did the call that wasn't recorded. Yes. Uh, the new issue of Aquaman. Like the Jeff Barker Aquaman, the, the mm-hmm. Aquaman solo title, that has just utterly clicked for me. You know, I, I have to say, I because I picked that up this week, and I think I I'm I'm dangerously close to agreeing with you, Graham. I like this issue a lot, lot more. Um, yeah, right. It's it's the, the the tone has settled or something. I don't know. It it just it really worked. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I'm very, I'm a little hand wringy about it, but honestly, I, it could just be that for me, um, it was more. There was something a little closer in sort of the high pulp wheelhouse, I guess. You know what yeah. I mean? I'm just sort of like, yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of giant monsters, but honestly, I would like to see Aquaman turning around, like fighting horrific. Lovecraftian beasts like that worked a lot better for me. Um, and then, and then, yeah, the final reveal slash, slash action thing. I'm sort of sorry that it wasn't Atlas actually. Cause yeah, the way it's set I, up is I, I like Atlas, but yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's not, who knows? Dan DeDio probably been like, it's a Kirby character. I own all the Kirby characters. <laughs> exactly. I, I was going to do something with that. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Me and Keith Giffen are going to get her into it in 2017 and it'll last four issues and be cancelled. That's right. Exactly. Man, that guy's got some amazing fringe benefits written into his employment contract, I tell you. Forever Man and the Infinity... And, no, Infinity Man and the Forever People. I mm-hmm. love that that's a comic that's coming out. I'm sure I'm going to enjoy the comic. That comic is not going to make it to a year. Oh, yeah. No. But on the other hand... Isn't it amazing that the Phantom Stranger book is still – is that been published? Is that being been <laughs> It is. It's still It's still, it's still out. Published. Yeah. But also, Dan Zio jumped off that within six issues. No, I know. But I'm still shocked that that's still going on, that they're like kind of like, ah, yeah, you know, we're still calling it Trinity of Sin, aren't they? I think they're still calling it Trinity of Sin colon Phantom think, Stranger, right? I think so. Which I'm just sort of Check. like I'm I'm checking the solicitations to see what they what they have. I just think that that's the most amazing thing. It was like ah. I, I still love that there's only two books called. What's oh that? Oh my cr- god! Yeah, hang on. Yes, this is hilarious. I went to Newsarama's page to look up the solicits, and they have an autoplay ad for Noah. <laughs> <laughs> so honestly, you're talking, and all of a sudden I can't hear you because I'm just hearing explosions and going Noah. It's the number one movie in the world. <laughs> 
I could not hear you during that last part. So if you, you had something, you said that there were two books that, and then you sort of cut out. Uh, there's only two books in Trinity oh, of Sin. There are right. subtitled Trinity of Sin, which is hilarious to me. It's true. It's almost like they're trying to fuck Tri- with people Trinity of, the of Sin. Let's only have two of them. Good job. <laughs> Good job, DC. That's not weird at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, the other thing that is kind of weird about it is the one that they don't have is the question, right? Hang on. I'm getting Noah again. Why is Noah... I don't even have a window open. Why am I getting Noah? Oh, terrific. You've just had yes, a Noah, Noah bot installed on your... Uh, and yeah, that, okay. I don't even know what that was, but I, again, had the very dramatic man talking to, talk to me about Noah. What were you actually asking, Jeff? I was asking you, isn't the book that's missing from the Trinity of Sin the question? Yes. Which I think is also kind of amazing if you think about it. Where is the question? <laughs> yeah, kind that, of. It would be called... Trinity yeah. of Sin, colon, where's the question? Question mark. Where is the question? Yeah. And the entire would just be 20 pages of people going, not here. That's my understanding of the way that, that Dan DiDio more or less forced the plots on the Phantom Stranger. It was like, okay, it's very important that you tie into the series Trinity of Sin, but it's also important you give away none of the facts of Trinity of Sin. Go. It's like, ah... Uh... Oh, no, no. Oh, Jeff, Phantom Stranger right now is in a three-way crossover with Justice League Dark and uh, Pandora that I have no idea what's going on in. It theoretically ties into Forever Evil, but I couldn't tell you how. So the maybe Justice League Dark is the third third book of the Trinity of Sin? But you'd think they'd actually change the title to say that. It's actually officially Trinity of Sin Pandora and Trinity of Sin the Phantom Stranger. You'd think they'd do Trinity of Sin Justice League Dark, but no. I actually love how you put the emphasis differently. I'm like, technically it should be Trinity of Sin Justice League Dark. (laughs) Trinity of Sin. Well, that's what I thought you were saying for the first week. Of Sin. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. That's That's all we want. It, Graham, from a book called Trinity of Sin, or three books, is for you to say each one of the titles differently. That's just... <laughs> I will Trinity. now mail you $2.99. Trinity of Sign. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be one of those incredibly weird in-jokes where, like, six <laughs> months from now, it's like, say, Graham, remember Trinity of Sign? <laughs> oh, my God! Is that the German version? Is that when you go to... You wouldn't have had this experience because you, as a kid, didn't go abroad to uh, European countries. When I was a kid, we'd go to, you know, Denmark or, or uh, Spain or, or Holland for mm-hmm. vacation. And because I was a kid and because I was a comic nerd, I'd always try and get, like, the local version of Spider-Man or the local version of X-Men. Right. Just for the titles and for the translations and be like, can I work out, like, can I vaguely get the language because I kind of know these comics. Right. Um and they were—they always had spectacular names. Like Superman was always Superman. Mm-hmm. Batman was always Batman. Right. Uh, X Men was Project with a K X mm-hmm. in in Holland, I think. Uh, God, I can't remember. Spider Man was great. That was like Die Spinny Hoffman. Oh, that would be the best. Something like that. It was, it was like very long. Whatever <laughs> Spider Man was, and I'm going to see if I can Google up Spider Man and. That would just be great, because the German language seems like it would suit itself so well for Stan Lee titles, you know? Gengar Stemmet, the Vulture! 
<laughs> you know what? Jeff Jeff Lester. What? I I have I have just discovered there is a Dutch Spider-Man. By which I don't mean there's a Dutch reprint of Spider-Man. I mean there's a Dutch Spider-Man. Really? Called Hans Jensen. He's a Dutch citizen. Uh-huh. Uh, he's friends with Peter Parker. His enemies are, quote, unnamed Dutch criminals, which is kind of hilarious. <laughs> his base of operations, Amsterdam, the Netherlands. And his first appearance was in Superhelden Agenda, 8990. Holy shit. Superhelden Agenda. Superhelden Agenda. Spectacular. <laughs> oh my god, Superhelden Agenda. Yeah, yeah. That's actually the sequel from four years later. Spectacular Superhelden Agenda. Um, and astonishing super in agenda. Well, maybe he'll turn up in what's what's it called? Spider Verse, the new Spider-Man crossover that's going to have all the Spider-Man ever. That would be great. That's where that that's where they got to really break out the you know the the obscure stuff and like wow us. Like we're all expecting Miles Morales and like I don't know. We're like oh maybe there's going to be Spider Ham and is like boom Dutch Spider-Man. How you like that? Yeah, yeah Dutch Spider-Man, Spider-Man India. And Spider-Man J. Do you remember Spider-Man J? Yeah, of course. Man, I, I kind of dug Spider-Man J. So yeah, that those are the ones I want to see up here. Mm-hmm. Are mm-hmm. all of the Spider-Man that's ever appeared in a What If issue? How many of that? Wait, are there a ton of those? It's, oh, there's, there was definitely one that joined the Fantastic Four. Yes. There was one that uh, didn't stop the, or did stop the criminal that went that was going to go after Uncle Ben. Yes, yes. But those are all Peter Parker. I mean, sorry. Yeah, I but, thought... no, but, but they're all alternate Peter Parker. So that's what I'm saying. I want all this. I want all the what if Spider-Mans. You know, I would I would trade them all for one electric company Spidey Super Stories Spider-Man. I think that oh, would be great. You, you can have that. Let's see. <laughs> Spider-Man joined the Fantastic Four. That's issue one. Yes. Uh, what if someone else besides Spider-Man was written by this radioactive spider? Yes, that's right. Flash yeah. Thompson, Betty Brandt, and John Jameson. Yeah. Um, what other Spider-Man ones were there? What if well, Spider-Man you pointed had out, never become a crime the... fighter? What's that? What if Spider-Man had never become a crime fighter? What yeah. if Spider-Man's clone had lived? I was going to say you're on the you're on the are you on the What If Wikipedia page now? I am on the What If Wikipedia page. Mm, yeah, I should have known. Uh, what if Spider-Man's Uncle Ben had lived and Aunt May was murdered instead? Went dark there. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that was the secret of all the what ifs. The what ifs were always grim. It was like, what if, the what if Spider-Man had like stopped the burglar? What ends up happening? Captain America dies. You know, that's just the way it goes in what if stories. You know. Also, can I say, talk about the Marvel app again? I'm really sad they don't have both volumes of what if. Yeah, they're kind of they're kind of all over the place, right? Aren't they? I mean, they, they have, have some of the early what ifs, which are great. Yeah, they, they have a bunch. Mm-hmm. They have, like, the first 30 or something, but they, they don't really have much beyond that, which is a shame. Uh, what if Marvel... Do you know issue 25 of the second series of What If was What If Marvel Superheroes Had Lost Atlantis Attacks? <laughs> yeah, I mean, what? that's pretty common, though. That's pretty common. I... They just... They had one just that was just out, that wasn't it? That was like, what if what if Marvel Superheroes lost the Age of Ultron or something? Oh, that's a five-issue series by Joe Keating. That's not oh just one. Jesus, five. five-issue series. Yeah, yeah. So there we have it. I mean, and honestly, who knows? Someone who's like a big Marvel fanboy like Joe, that could actually end up being potentially awesome. Maybe. 
I don't know. I have to admit, I'm I'm somewhat. Uh, it's five issue series, and it has five different what ifs within it. What if the Wasp had been killed instead of Hank Pym? What uh, if Iron Man had been killed instead of Hank Pym? I'm seeing a, a trend here. What if Thor had been killed instead of Hank Pym? What if Captain America had been killed instead of Hank Pym? And what if Hank Pym had never created Ultron at all? <laughs> that last one's got to be a really boring book, surely. Oh, I don't know about that. Because that's the great thing about what if, is like, you have the, okay, well, this will be more safe, and then more people die. I mean, that really is, it was from well, that Age of, Ultron, of Age of Ultron was just a big what if itself, remember? Well, I know, that's the thing Change that's actually type, pretty Change great type. about it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like... And then it's like, I know, Iron Man's a fucking cyborg! And they're like, why? Just because! I love that... <laughs> I loved during the, uh, when it was coming out, Brian Mendes was like, I wrote a big fucking book. I wrote a big fucking book about how everything made sense and how it all went together. And it was one of those great things where you're like, I don't know if you're serious or not. I kind of hope you are, but just reading as a reader, I, I have no idea where any of this came from. You know, I, I do. It's like it's Magic Wars. I, I have to say that in his very smart attempts to uh troll the comics internet chad nevitt's 10 piece um column where he Wait, looks no, at the 10 piece I was it 10 was piece. 30 32 ways no, of looking was, at age it, of ultron number 10 or something every, it was every day uh for january it was amazing yeah that was some great stuff and honestly the part what i thought was amazing was he had one or two pieces where i was like oh yeah, that's actually like I think his final piece talking about how Bendis's book is a is a is explicitly about retconning, um, which I thought was a, like I'm like ah Chad, I wish you hadn't said this because it's hard for me to believe that that's not actually the case, and yet I really don't want to give Bendis like enough of the benefit <laughs> of the doubt, so I really don't you, want to you know Chad's book about Starlin, I cannot fucking wait. Oh yeah. Can- to wait because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Chad Chad is a smart motherfucker and I've <laughs> never got Starlin and I can't wait I can't wait to have a smart person explain to me why I should have gotten Starlin hmm. interesting I thought I'd try it I apparently am not smart enough for you Graham no here's the thing I just steamroller over you yeah, All that's... the time, you are, you offer up like really well reasoned arguments, and I just go, Jeff Lester, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is that is true. That is what we do. Hey, that, that is the dynamic. Hey, what? Hey, it's been two hours. Yeah, we sh- we should probably stop, right? Well, but we have to. I feel like I don't know. Part part of it is me, but I'm like Graham. We only talked about like four books, so. Let's save the – let's do another 25-issue Avenger Fest next time. So people who have the Marvel app, thanks to us, or have access to the digital issues, somehow, if you want to read up on issues 76 through 100, that's what Graham yeah, and I will be it, talking right? about yeah. next time. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, but, very quickly. I have yes. to say, something else I've been reading this week is a Marvel Star Wars comics again. Oh, Really? And I'm at the issues. Uh, I, I it's the collection called Marvel Star Wars. O- sorry, Dark Horse Star Wars Omnibus. A long time, time ago, ago, Volume Four. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm in the Joe Duffy issues. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Joe Duffy, first of all, is a spectacular Star Wars writer. Yes. Secondly, Star Wars is a lot of fun before it became Star Wars. 
like when everything is really loosey goosey still, it's it's a lot of fun. Uh, Thirdly, yes. I did not get half the fucking references in this when I read it as a kid. I didn't uh, even get Rick Jules' name pun. Oh, is there a Rick Jones character in there or something? No, no, what? no. The, uh, Han, there's another Han Solo who appears. Uh, like, uh, uh, what if Han Solo was a bit more of a dick? Yes. Because they're searching for Han Solo. Han mm-hmm. Solo, like, it's Empire Strike Back, searching for Han Solo. And they come across Rick Duel. And I didn't get that pun. Wow. I literally, I got that pun reading it now. I've read these comics at least three times. <laughs> And I was like, wait, Duel, Solo, Duel, Solo. Yeah. Oh, you idiot, Graham. Yeah. But I didn't realize there's a, uh, is it, is the anime character Captain Harlock? Yes. I didn't realize the lad who calls him dresses up as him. Oh, yeah, I think that's He fucking does Captain Harlock's cosplay. Yeah, yeah. It's true. I, you know, I am, I am so not on top of the post Empire Strikes Back issues because I basically gave up on Star Wars after after the Empire Strikes Back. Oh, um, Jeff, I've said it before and I'll say it again. If you have any way to access these issues specifically between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, they are the best Star Wars comics that have ever happened. You keep saying this. Okay, first off, Graham, let's keep let's keep let's remember that I did go and I read that one volume. I think it's the volume after this, the one that is. Uh, Simonson and Michelini. Uh, no, no, that's the one before this. Is that 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 can't be volume three? It's it's a reissue them, so yeah, it probably isn't. But they reissued them. God damn it! <laughs> well, anyway, omnibus format, yeah, yeah, okay. Well, in any event, yeah, that makes sense with the omnibus because I I have a few of the trades on the Dark Horse app and read all of what used to be volume five and is probably the tail end of omnibus three. Um... <laughs> I don't know why that that amused me. Um, it sounds like a science fiction series. Omnibus three, you know, created <laughs> by Gene Rodenberry. Omnibus three created by Jeff Lester. Come on, give <laughs> yourself some credit. Narrated by Martin Landau. Well, I'm just saying, it really just does. I mean, I see what you're saying, but I, I'm totally uh, that, like, now, oh god, narrated by Martin Landau. I've now got the Space 1999 like opening credits in my head. There you go. See, this is everything that I would have wanted, Graham. Alert! I'm just, I got to make a note of when this occurs in the podcast so that I can put that as our cold open because that is the, that is the best ever. Um, I was... What was it? Omnibus 3? Jesus Christ, what the hell were we talking about before that? Star Wars! Oh, Star yeah, Star Wars. Wars, right. The Star Wars comics. Read them yes. Pressed. Yes, I, I, I read the Simmons and stuff. No, I, I liked it. It was just, you know what it was? It was that classic of, um, The Empire Strikes Back broke my belief that the books were canon, and back in the day, that meant a lot to me. Um, and so I can actually have better luck reading those old Star Wars books now and being like, oh, yeah. oh. I, it's a, it's amazing to see all the stuff that isn't canon and the way that just like are utterly contradicted by later canon. Yes, like the exactly. Boba Fett, there's a guy who's like, I fought besides Boba Fett mm-hmm. and Boba Fett's the greatest soldier ever. And you know, my name's like, his name's something stupid, like Nani Tash or something. Yeah, exactly. Like Star Wars names are ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When, because you grew up with Boba Fett, you don't really realize it. You're like, well, Boba Fett's normal. Right. But, you know, Nani Tash, that's just a dumb name. <laughs> well, it's true. There is stuff. I mean, there's there's the things. Once you sort of get a little more, like, you're like, oh, yeah, like, Lucas was grabbing names from all over. But, yeah, when you when you get lazy, you know, it's just... 
it it always sounds like fake Yiddish. You know what I mean? Like it's always like, yeah, look out for a boobka tosh. You know, it's it's it never really ever makes sense. You know, it's like here comes Lars Rugelak. You know, it just it's, what? it's always right now. Dylan Todd's listening to this and it's just shouting at, at his podcast player of choice, Dash Rendar. We write Dash Rendar exactly. The always excellent Dash Rendar. Um, so. What other books did you read? Because I feel like I'm like, yeah, let's rush through and talk like capsule reviews type thing. Okay, so, so Star Wars Omnibus is really, really great uh, mm-hmm. because it's not concerned with canon, I yes. guess. And it's just concerned with entertaining the reader. And Joe Duffy was always good at entertaining the reader. I really like Joe Duffy as a comic scripter. Between Power Man and Iron Fist and some of their stuff on Star Wars, I just thought she like she deserved more more books than she got, I think. Yeah, yeah, she's really good. Um, Dead Letters, I told you about Starlight 2, the second issue of the, the Miller. Oh, yeah, what do you think of that? Because I picked it up, too. Or I picked it up, I'm not quite sure. Um, it, I feel like by the time it gets to the end of issue 2, it should be the end of issue 1. It's weird, like, isn't it? Issue 2 is, like, incredibly, incredibly slow. Yeah. Like, uh, almost nothing happens in it. Like, almost uh, comically it, draggy, you know? It, it looks lovely. Goran Porlov is I, I, I love I, an incredible stuff. artist. Yeah, and but, he um, actually makes a lot of a lot of talking heads way more palatable than you would think in a way. Like just his oh, he makes a lot of a lot of really smart choices in yeah. this, that mm-hmm. that keep the book. Um, I don't know going. I guess even though nothing actually happens because mm-hmm. it's it's essentially a really really long conversation. Between the the hero and this kid, who's like, I'm, I, they've got the really annoying joke of like, I'm eighty seven years old. Wait, what's that in Earth years? I'm twelve, which is really, really fucking annoying. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it, Parlov makes it work visually, mm-hmm. but you get fans, and you're honestly like, I can't believe that must have been like twenty pages and nothing happened in the comic. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. I usually don't see, I don't think of Miller. Whatever else goes on with him, I usually don't feel like he drags ass that badly. You know? Yeah, it's it's, it's amazing because I really honestly got to the end of it and I was like, so that should be the end of the first issue. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we all knew it was going to happen as well. Like there was absolutely no uh, tension at any yeah. point. Like right. even at the end of issue one, even before that alien showed up. Yes, exactly. Like, well, he's obviously going back to the the alien planet. That's mm-hmm. like that's got to be the story. Yeah. yeah. So the idea you get two issues through it before that happens, you're like. This is amazingly slow. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Is it a six-issue uh, miniseries? I have no idea. I'm I'm going to check. I think it might be. It might be five. God, in that case, that's really that's really dragging it out too long. So, uh, does it say how many issues it is? Let's see. I don't think it does. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know how many issues it is. Huh. Okay, well, not a big deal. Um, in theory, we. But yeah, it, it's amazingly, amazingly slow. Maybe it's eight issues. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. that seems a very Mark Miller esque. Yeah, I it, eight. Yeah, exactly, and that sort of makes a certain amount of sense to me as well. But uh, but yeah, paced weird. Great, great, really lovely to look at though. Um, and but yeah, but, a, a super odd book. Um, yeah. I caught up pretty deadly. Oh yeah, what do you think? 
I, same as before. Like, I really <laughs> like the art, and the story just doesn't work for me. Mm-hmm. I, I honestly am not sure that I, I honestly feel like I'm at the point of not following the story. Like, there is stuff, like, I've read all, like, maybe I just need to sit down and read all five issues at once. No, I, I But there was stuff that I was reading. that won't help. Yeah, I don't think so either. It really did feel like it has, it, it plays a little bit too much on the, well, this is almost like a fairy tale parable, so we can really change the rules at the last minute. Yeah, is... we we can we can skip a lot of steps because it's all about the feel, man. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, so I, there's it, a, lot a lot that, that I would kind of not be inclined to. I I would I I think this book would be pretty dropped for me if it wasn't for the fact of Emmaus's art, and that's going to keep me. On there. The mix of that and the price point at that price point, I'm like, it's lovely. It's a lovely book. I just kind of have, and I have that thing of, I just, I don't know. I, I wish I was more in tune with it, I guess, you know, because also, I really. It's, it's done, Jeff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you, you don't have to worry about that. It's finished. Oh, is there not? I thought it was an ongoing. Well, it says something like it'll, it'll return with volume two. So yeah, this series is done. Oh, okay. All right. But is it, is, I figured that that was a, that they were doing sort of a saga jump of like two or three months or they, something. They probably are, but okay. I, I don't, I, has issue six even been solicited? I would not be surprised if like it goes away for a bit. I see. Okay. Well, in that case, yeah, maybe I guess you're right. I don't have to worry about it, but I would be fascinated to see. Part of me is like, that's probably best for the series. We'll see what happens as far as sales and what have you continue i'm i will look at it for it when it comes back but yeah i remember reading it like reading the wrap-up of everything and just being like god i wish i was on i was where this where the you know it it i don't think the book is where i think it is where it you know where it thinks it is but i wish if it if it is there i wish i was there with it you know what i mean like there's a lot of stuff that's like in it that i'm like I could really, really love this if I was in sync with it, I suppose, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As, as it is, there's so much that I'm rooting for that didn't really work. Um, okay. So pretty deadly five. Uh, I read self obsessed, which is a, a collection of Cena Grace's mini comics, I guess, mm-hmm. or, or, or autobiographies, and like really didn't like it. Hilariously, like, if it wasn't a PDF, would have thrown it across the room and didn't like it. Yeah. Uh, in think... large part because it's the title is far too appropriate. Mm. Mm-hmm. It, it it really is the most uh, self-obsessed <laughs> comic in the world. And part of me is like, that totally makes sense. Like he's at, because it's his old stuff. It's like from 2003, 2004. Right. So he's at the age where, where you are like, I'm going to make comics about myself, but everything I'm thinking is incredibly deep. And it's not. Right. But I think what irritated me more was, like, he still released it now. Yes. For, like, $4. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Right, right. And it's like, yeah, yeah, no. Not, <laughs> not, you know, it, it, it's kind of annoying. Uh, no. Yeah, so that was not a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Task Force Rad Squad, Jeff. <laughs> Task Force Rad Squad is Caleb Goldner's comic. He's the the guy from Comics Alliance. He's yes, one of the editors. Um, have you read this? Have you no. seen this? No, no, no. Uh, so imagine Task Force. So imagine Power Rangers, right? Mm-hmm. 
But Power Rangers has is taking a really bad trip. Mm-hmm. And has somehow become infected by like the internet, the collective internet memes of like 2008 through 2012. Wow. And that's it. And here's the thing. It's fucking amazing. <laughs> it, it is so good. It is, it's nuts. It's absolutely nuts. Huh. But as someone who's far too old for the Power Rangers and never got into it, mm-hmm. it's like the only way I can understand the Power Rangers. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Right. It's like the Power Rangers made for someone who just doesn't get the Power Rangers. Mm-hmm. I loved it. It's, it's hilarious as hell. That's fabulous. Uh, I want to say you can get it online. I, I could be wrong. I Everyone Google Task Force Rad Squad. Yeah, in fact, yeah. TaskForceRadSquad.com, it says at the back. Um, yeah, I picked it up at Emerald City, and it's it's really funny. And, hmm. and it's issue two as well, I should tell you. Issue one is already available. Wow. So, guys, you can you can read two issues of this absolute nuts, batshit stuff. Um, I also got uh, from Emerald City... Letter 44, The Missing Issues of Letter 44, which is the Charles Sewell Oni series. Yes. Which I I really like. And I think I'd forgotten that. And then I picked The Missing Issues because Kate really liked it. And Kate was like, whatever happened to that? You stopped getting it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got them and I read them all in a wonder. And I was like, yeah, this is actually a really, really good book. It runs into the same problems as Morning Glories. Insofar as it's one of those, like, there's a grand mystery and there's smaller mysteries inside it. And at least for me, the problem I have with Morning Glories, and to a lesser extent this, is the the sort of post-lost feeling of you actually don't know the answers. Mm-hmm. You're just setting up all these mysteries and you actually don't know where any of this is going. Right. I, I'm not sure I have faith in you to answer this question. Right. Um, and so there's that nervousness, but I really like it. And I kind of really like Letter 44 as well for the, um, the shameless political aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The setup is essentially, what if, uh, Obama was white, got into office and realized that there was actually a reason why George Bush had, uh, faked all these wars. And the reason was there was aliens in space coming to get us. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, you know, there's something wonderfully shameless and Obama apologist about it. Right. You know, where it's like, well, Obama didn't save the world like we wanted him to, but that's okay because he's really dealing with aliens. Exactly. Exactly. They've got, he's got his hands you know? full. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's, he's got he's more important things. And one day we'll understand. Right. You know, and the best part is in later issues, it basically gets to the George Bush analog. And instead of being like, well, he was an okay dude, it's then like, he was actually more of a dick than you knew. It's okay, <laughs> you can still hate him. <laughs> Which is just great. I love that. I think it's so funny that it's like, we might have, in defending Obama's legacy, also defended Bush's. So right. we're going to make Bush like... we got to double back dick. on that and just make sure... Yeah, yeah pretty much. It's like, so he's got his own secret army. Uh, that is too funny. You know, he's, out, he's outwitting the CIA and he's a dick. So that's okay. You could still hate him, but white Obama is, you know, everything's fine. white Obama. Uh, white Obama is an impressive uh, feat of imaginative high concepting. I have to say, 
<laughs> what? Really? Yeah, I, I think just, so. You just I can't mean, imagine a vice president of the United States. I just can't. I can't wrap my brain around it, Graham. I really can't. <laughs> no, uh, no, because I don't know. It's it's interesting. I I guess because I'm tempted to say that I feel like, although I was Mister like you know, Obama is much more of a moderate than you people are thinking that he's going to be. Even I was somewhat depressed and let down by the the things that Obama did not end up doing or seem to have aliens, any interest Jeff. in. There's <laughs> aliens, As this comic showed you, he came in with a, 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 a revolutionary agenda, but then he gets this fucking letter, and the letter's like, listen, dude, aliens, and he's like, I'm just going to put that entire agenda aside. Like, that's honestly, that's honestly so much of, like, the first five issues. They're like, what about this? And he's like, there's aliens, man. <laughs> You think I care about the Secretary of State? There's aliens! And it's, I honestly get the feeling like this is the only way for Charles Sewell that he could actually get away with. Like, he's like, I totally believed in Obama. What What happened? Because you have, like, the, white Obama being like, yeah, my support, my base is going to hate me for this, but one day they'll understand. Like, it's so great. <laughs> so, yeah, Letter 44 is great, both as a, a mystery comic in and of itself, but also if you want to read it as Charles Sewell is just a really, really disappointed Obama supporter from the first election who is trying to create a world where Obama didn't essentially betray his own uh, right. ideals. Yeah. Uh, then, yeah, it, it reads like if you want to add that extra level in, it's spectacular. Wow. Wow. It's a I mystery. Have to say. Especially because they then go back and they're like, oh, no, but George Bush really was a dick. There's something <laughs> wonderful about doubling back for right. that. And being like, just to be clear. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. pretty we just, like We just want to make everything like, no. George Bush, you can still hate him. Just, just want to make that clear. <laughs> There's more. Even just wait. Like he'll he'll be into slavery or something. Just wait. Oh my God, you have no idea. George, oh, but Obama, aliens. What could he do? So yeah, Letter Forty Four is great. Um, Dark Horse sent me a bunch of their, I guess what they're now calling Project Black Sky comics, which is like their new superhero line. Mm-hmm. Um, they sent me the first volume of Ghost, the first volume of X, mm-hmm. and the first volume of Captain Midnight. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are all very professional, mm-hmm. but also somewhat uninspiring. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, there's nothing that really sort of leapt out at me, uh, about any of them. To be honest, I was more entertained by the, their PR angle mm-hmm. than I was by the comics, which is never a good sign. <laughs> yes. That is well, the true. Their angle is they don't, they're not officially coming from Dark Horse. They're coming from like a conspiracy theorist. And the, the PR, like I was like the letter actually, a company letter with these books actually said like to whom it may concern. And there's, and it's like, which may include you, Graham McMillan, <laughs> which was hilarious. Um, yeah, so they, they're, they're fine, but they're, they're not like, I can't see anything in them that makes me go, Oh, that's another line I'd want to jump onto. Right. Yeah, we'll see what's going on. I mean, honestly, it's a shame because I feel like Valiant is did it did it right, and I'm still sort of I'm I'm barely on that train. In fact, with the jumping off Archer and Armstrong, I'm kind of off that train. You know, I don't know why. It's just because fine because it might just be that you're not interested in that sort of stuff. 
I think I'm not, which is a shame because I think for the most part, I'm always bitching about like, yeah, I want, I, you know, I like superhero comics done well and I don't necessarily, it's not rooted in like an all out nostalgia for the character, but But maybe you don't is my point. Yeah, right. Exactly. I mean, yeah, but that's, that's, that's a little troubling to me. Um, Oh, have you been keeping up with 2018? Yes, yes. Uh, I yeah. I have to admit the what's it called Jaeger or whatever the the new Rogue Trooper spinoff that I didn't realize was a Rogue Trooper spinoff until I read it until this issue. Yeah, for me. No, no, no. They they because they, they say it very clearly in the first part. It's like the Norts and the Southers. Yeah, and I somehow missed it until part two when they're like, "No, the Norts and the Southers, Jeff." And I'm like, "Oh, oh, oh, yeah." Yeah, I know exactly. I, I I was pretty much the same. I was like, "Wait, it's the Rogue Trooper." Yeah, is this exactly. a Rogue Trooper spinoff? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm much more interested. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. Uh, you know, honestly, so it's it's a new jumping on point. You know, the previous week's issue with like five new stories, um, and they're all okay. I mean, honestly, the one that I'm I'm most intrigued by is I don't think that. I've read a story where Judge Dredd is so clearly being posited as the enemy in such a long time, you know? I mean, I've never read it. I'm sure those stories are out there where it's hinted at, but this is very much the current Judge Dredd serial that's running is about a a woman who works in the judge's, like, sort of cybersecurity block. I guess she's the, the Edward Snowden analog who's being hunted by by the judges and her her whole like they're so horrible you have no idea and dreads whole like we're going to track her down and she's going to pay for what you did is it'll be interesting to see if there's a corner that I assume there's going to be a corner where it, it turns but it is kind of, is very fascinating to me everything else honestly the slanya the sinister dexter and the two other books i'm kind of like eh, you know oh, slanya and sinister dexter are always hard sales for me slash yeah. in particular oh god i i i don't think you'll ever really get me on board that series yeah um did, uh, I, I like Jaeger. I I think I like Outlier. I'm not completely sold, but it's also mm-hmm. early enough that I'm okay with not being sold, if that makes sense. Like, I, I'm still giving it the chance. I kind of like it because it just seems like it It really is. It's like, oh, hey, it's terrible 2000 AD character number 305. Somebody yeah, it's, who it's, has it's prosthetic, very... you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. We've seen this before. I did. There's something weirdly soothing about that. Yeah, exactly. That's part of what I like about it. Is it's, like it's I'm like, disposable two thousand AD. That's exactly. okay. This is terrific. Yeah. I'm reading today's version of yesterday's awful disposable comics. That's exactly. Kind of I'm reading that. Night Zero, twenty fourteen. Exactly. Exactly. And I'm okay with that. So I, yeah, exactly. yeah, honestly, as a subscription service, I adore 2000 AD because there is that time where it's like, oh, like I'm always excited when it shows up in part, even when I'm like, oh, right. I was really more excited about all the titles that were running a month ago. And yet I flipped through it. You know, I still read it. And there's always a, you know, there's one feature but, I like. There's and even always the Dreads. Yeah, exactly. And especially when Dreads got John Wagner doing it. It's like, Sure. Whatever. And also, I yeah. just saw today on Twitter, Chris Weston's doing one with Rob Williams soon. Oh, yeah. See, so I'm just, I'm not worried. And that's it. That's the other thing. 
good stuff comes around, I guess, when it's so easy that it's literally being de- delivered to your tablet every Tuesday and you don't have to do anything other than open it and read it and pretend that you're not paying for it every three months <laughs> in a surprisingly <laughs> huge amount of money. It's awesome. It's really just the best. What? Um, two things, two things I want to say quickly. One, I don't, I'm not sure if there is going to be a turnaround for Dread. I think this may be a story where Dread's the villain, which they've done before and I think they'll do again. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 did yeah. you ever read America? No. No, no, no. I oh, haven't. okay. Yeah. You should read America. Yeah, I haven't. I haven't. Uh, we're, we're dread is especially the new edition, which has like America and the sequels in there, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because for the first story, dread is clearly the bad guy. Yeah, clearly. Right. And then they try and bring threads of the story, but also particular characters into regular dread, for want of a better way of putting it. Mm-hmm. And so you actually require those characters to soften their their opinion of Dread, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's just fascinating watching how he does that. Mm-hmm. Like Wagner is, is very much because he he never Dread is never a sympathetic character under Wagner. Mm-hmm. 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 He can be the lesser of two evils, mm-hmm. or even a guy whose heart would be in the right place if he had a heart, but he doesn't. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. he's never he's never a good guy. Right. He's never a hero. And so it's really interesting to see Wagner try and turn Dread, turn other characters sympathetic towards Dread without ever undercutting the fact that he doesn't like Dread. Right. Right, right, right. Uh, yeah, so yeah, the, America, I highly recommend. Yeah, but I, I, I will get there. Uh, it's, the other thing it's I was going to say is, uh, God, I've got to find the email now. Um, 2080 is going to appear on the newsstands in New York. Oh, you are going to mention that. I think that is great. I thought that that was kind of an exciting piece of news myself. So, Did, did you see that in the email? Did uh, you yeah. Invite, did you get an email about that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it, specific newsstands and only in the in New York, which is really interesting. Yes. Oh, no, wait. Looking at, no, no uh, Massachusetts as well. New York and Massachusetts and one DC. Oh, okay. It's going to be appearing in, in one stop in Washington, DC. Because they give the addresses. They give the name and the addresses of the, their news agents. Yes, exactly. Which is kind of amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so I think that's going to be really, really interesting. It's going to be appearing weekly mm-hmm. at specific newsstand outlets in Massachusetts, New York, and DC. Yeah, a shitload of newsstands in New York, New York will be getting it weekly, and then yeah, a few places in Massachusetts and one spot in DC. So for people who are kind of, I think I think it'll be interesting to see. It'll be interesting to see how that comes together. I suppose. Yeah. You know, because I I do think, honestly, the digital thing makes me very, very happy. I've been enjoying it tremendously. But I can also understand it's definitely that thing of reading it every week when it comes out is is the best way. It's definitely the weekly thing. Mm -hmm. It's it's it works so much better as a weekly book. Yeah. Even reading a batch of it in a month, I think, just does not have that sort of same perfect placement, I suppose, you know, in your schedule. Um, any, any other books you want to mention very quickly? Uh, also from Emerald City, I got, um, Rachel Edden's butt plug zine, which is exactly <laughs> what you'd expect. Um, and I got Lucy Bellwood's Gra- uh, Grand Adventure, which I mm-hmm. think I've talked about before, uh, which is her diary comic from going rafting down the Grand Canyon. Oh, I think you did mention that. Yeah. 
Uh, and it's great. I really, really like it. I, I, earlier on, I was, I was complaining about Cena Grace's uh, diary comics and autobio comics. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lucy is, <laughs> sounds just to be really like blunt to say Lucy is a better cartoonist because right. she is, mm-hmm. but also she's writing about something that is not navel gazing. Like she's writing about an experience that is of interest. Right. Uh, and it just makes for far better comics. I really, really, really like these comics. You can get them online. I think it's at lucybellwood.com forward slash Grand Adventure, but don't... Google Lucy Bellwood Grand Adventure and you will find out. That's probably a better way of doing it. Okay. Um, but yeah, I really, really like it. Okay. You and are that, starting to turn Billzebubby on me. Should I call you back in, in like two seconds? Okay. I, I'm always glad that I'm. I should never tell. I should just be like, connection's getting weird on my end, rather than give you this because it just creeps me out even more. All right, let me call you back. Literally, it's just going to be a minute, and then hopefully that'll take care of this and we'll finish up. Uh, Jeff. Ah, see, that's mostly better. I was afraid. See, I knew you were going to do that part. Okay, we should really wrap this up though, because we also have been recording for two hours. Yes, it's been it's been two and a half. So uh, I'm going to run down my list of other things. I got to talk about those three books that I really loved, and people go out and hunt them up. Um, I should mention I read Empowered Internal Medicine by Adam Warren and Brandon Graham, and quite enjoyed that. Uh, Starlight Two, we talked about Sandman Overture Number Two. <laughs> oh God, I read that as well. We'll have to talk about that another time. Okay, maybe we'll talk about that next time. Second issue of Rogue Trooper, I liked more than I liked the first issue. I am very, very sorry for Brian Ruckley that Rogue Trooper is getting canceled pretty much immediately, and I don't know as of which issue. So, but you heard that too, right? That's not just something that I made up. No, I heard it too. Okay, thank goodness. Um. Judge Dredd, Mega City 2, number 3, uh, City of Courts by Douglas Wolk and Ulysses Farina. I, I, I quite liked, I, I liked it much more than the second issue. Um, and there's a, there's a great little in-joke with, did you read it already? No, it's, it's I, you should see my to-do, my to-read. I'm sure your to-read list is crazy. Definitely keep, keep an eye out for Ulysses, Ulysses Farina with, has an, Air, an airplane that is sky riding in the background. I'm sorry, Jeff Darrow. And I think that that is just like Wait, one of the funniest things. Oh, ever. You, you know what's even better? Mm. Like three or four people told me about that at Emerald City. <laughs> that's, that's, well, then the joke's on me, Graham. The joke's on me. Uh, Fatal 21, Aquaman 29, and Walking Dead 124. Um, I liked all of those. So, that's. I just want to run down the list in case people are like, but comic books. What about the comic books? These are good. I would like to talk. We talked about comic books. Oh, I suppose in a vague like, hey, here's a German dentist story, you know, kind of thing. So, sorry, German comedy, <laughs> Scottish dentists. Get it right, Jeff. But it is Dutch Spider Man, right? We did get it that is, part down. Dutch okay, Spider-Man. as long as it's as long as it's Which Dutch Spider Man. So so Unbelievable. Crazy. Gotta get my hands on that. Um, listeners, we'll be back in two weeks. Two weeks with uh, our stunning, mm-hmm. stunning uh, cliffhanger episode. Two weeks from now. You'll, you, your minds will explode. It'll be just like watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> Except your heads will be exploding from pleasure uh, this time. 
But, well, I wouldn't go that far, Jeff. Well, come on. we got to differentiate ourselves from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Like, what's making people's head explode in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? It can't be. I don't know. I mean, I've just seen all There's lots of commercials right now that's like, we're doing something that you've never seen before. Yeah, but they always do that stuff. Have you seen Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Mm-hmm. When, when we, um, and I hate to do this to the listeners, but when we're not recording, I will tell you a very uh, gossipy pitch you think about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and, and Marvel in general that I cannot say uh, for political reasons on the recording. Bye. <laughs> I had to get oh. to it. Let's get to oh it. Oh my god, that was so great just for you doing it instead of me. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>